You're listening to a Mutiny Transmission. You can find more podcasts, videos, books, comics, and records online at mutinyinfocafe.com. Or just stop in the store in Denver and have a coffee sometime. What did you say? Cuckfest 99? Yeah. Yeah, it's sponsored by, uh, I don't know, the Walt Tools or something. Dude, I actually have the word cuck in my license plate, believe it or not. Really? Yeah, it's pretty funny because I drive like a Hyundai Accent, which is like, it might as well just be called car. You know what I mean? It might just be like, from the, (laughs) it should be, try the new car by Hyundai. (laughs) Yeah. It's like the most it, generic car you can drive, like, and most, and yeah, as the most honest ad campaign. Like it has wheels, it has doors. These doors open. They have windows. Like it's nothing. It you're also has a stereo. Technically, if you crash, you may live. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I've got I've got cock in my license plate. It makes me laugh every time I look at it. But my wife doesn't really follow current events or the insanity I that. That's a- current event now <laughs> well, well but i mean you know what i mean like it's no, it's like I mean, calling that word, people that word came into my life like two years ago and it's been just great ever since yeah the words the words snowflake and cuck became popularized and yeah. in, in what 2016 or 2017 was when they became yeah. popularized and i'm sure i'm sure she has heard the term snowflake but i don't think like she's aware of the term cuck except for maybe in the the most like like in in the common usage of what like a a cuckold is yeah yeah it's it's very interesting because it's like you have to it's like you're explaining it and like as you're telling people you're laughing and people are like that is (laughs) funny but but it's funny because people use it as a political pejorative that's the funny thing about it like just calling people just be like just be like, well, yeah, because of your political beliefs, you like to watch men fuck your wife. Wow. That's what it's turned into. I want to say, too, that there's like a point in history where that was completely common in political discourse. Like, just making references to a dude, like a dude's wife sleeping around. Oh, yeah. I bet that's, like, our, the backbone of our country is insulting people like that. Dude, I want to say that uh, there was this... Yeah, you know who Adam Conover is, right? The yeah. Adam Ruins Everything guy? Oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah, he did He did an ep- uh, like a little mini-episode on, on YouTube, and it was called Other Famous Donald Trumps in History. Ooh, and that's kind of cool. Yeah, it was really neat, and he made reference to some really nasty political mudslinging quotes by like, you know, uh, uh, like Andrew Jackson was a a lunatic. Andrew Jackson was a legitimate crazy person. And Thomas Jefferson. Andrew Jackson, I think if I remember correctly, he executed a 14 year old. Oh, he did all sorts of crazy shit. Like it was like a wartime. It was like a wartime execution of like, this guy was a deserter because he was 14 in a war zone and he's like you know what yeah i'm just gonna kill you now 
<laughs> yeah, there was there was all sorts of kooky stuff about old. Uh, what did they call him? Old uh, wo- old wooden leg, something like that. Old hickory. Old like. Think of how crazy of a person he was, and that was the nickname. Like, dude, this guy's insane. Yeah, he's like Hickory. Old like, Hickory. Like, what? Again? No, think about it. Like, <laughs> Different dude, time, this man. Like, this guy's like an oak table. No, dude, he's like Hickory. <laughs> <laughs> that guy, like, if that that's just like a part of language that has just like gone away that we don't have anymore. It's like you he's call a crazy, you compare yeah. a crazy person to a, like a really solid table. She's like, he's a real balsa wood of a man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think they had balsa wood yeah. in the 1700s. Yeah, you know, like a balsa wood airplane? Like, what's an airplane? <laughs> <laughs> hey, welcome to episode number 114 of the motherfucking podcast. This is, of course, the official podcast of the International Power Rock Combo Motherfucking Ruckus from Denver and Chicago, respectively. Even though we effectively don't exist for the foreseeable future because uh, the world is on fire uh, because there's a pestilence going on and uh, yeah so pretty much music doesn't exist right now Um, and uh, we're going to talk say that again I said the gods are crying but we're still here (laughs) for now Um, we're going to talk about a lot of that today with my guest Uh, before we get started though I want to give a shout out to all the amazing people who back us on patreon.com slash mfruckus. You guys make the goddamn world go round. Uh, our patrons, they get access to VIP tickets to shows, uh, early and exclusive content. Uh, they've been listening to uh, the drum and scratch guitar tracks of the new record that's probably not even going to come out for a very, very long time. Uh, we just give them everything. Pretty much everything that we put on our band chat feed uh, goes to our patrons in exchange for a small recurrent contribution uh, on our Patreon page. We use it to help make this podcast go. We use it to uh, pay for equipment and strings and studio time and hiring artists for doing our videos and comic books and flying Tony back and forth, which um, which is going to be a bigger deal since Tony has a baby on the way. Talked to him yesterday. He is like 100% in dad mode. We're super thrilled for him. Um, Patreon is going to help him be able to participate in the band by offsetting his costs when he travels. So you guys who back us on Patreon, we fucking love you. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your ongoing support. My guest today is um, a guy I've wanted to have on for a while. We were supposed to have him before the pestilence started, and um, he's a former fellow co-worker of mine, honestly my favorite person to work with when we work together, and it just so happens he also plays drum for the the rising up-and-coming jam group. Would you say jam? Jam? Americana? I'd just say good. Good. That's what type of music we play, but yeah, I'd say it's like rock. It definitely has jam bands. It's definitely a jam band, but it's like rock and roll jam. Like you guys are more in like the jam scene, I would oh, say. Yeah. Like I, yeah, I think like, jam band is a is a is a sweeping generalization that it's, it's easier to know what it isn't than what it is. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? I think I think 
plugging everything into the jam band category is something that people from my tribe, the metal and punk rock tribe, use to describe music that they're afraid of. Well, it's they, also, I mean, we probably do the same thing with metal. Like, if I, like, I'm sure if I, you were, you would be like, oh, this band's a jam band, and I'd be like, no, they're jam grass, or like, they're like some weird right, right, subgenre. Right. But if I was like just sweeping, all these bands are metal, you'd be like, no, this is actually. X, Y, or Z, you know Right, I mean? right, right. Like, like, oh, I, no, this I, is black metal. This is, like, extreme black death. This is... Yeah. <laughs> this is glory like, metal. This is uh, this is new wave of British heavy metal. Hold on, i got to fix like, this I, chair real quick. There we go. Yeah, it's like, I, so I studied German in college, and a big thing that Germans like to do is, like, add just, like, compounding words onto each other to, like, and... Um, to describe just, things? Yeah, like it's like I think there's one way I can't remember, but there's one way to stay stop sign, stay stop sign that's like 18 letters long or something like that, and it's, um, and I think it's the same thing with music sometimes where it's just this like constant adding on of other genres. Like we're like neo soul jam grass funk. Like it's just you know right, right, right. At some right. point, it's naming colors or something like that. I don't know. Right. No, and I and I totally get that. And it's interesting because we we tend to categorize. Like, do you remember when Pandora first started going? Oh, first of all, let me introduce you real quick. Tyler Gwynn from Tenth Mountain Division is on the show this week. Um, very happy to have him on. Uh, very happy to talk with him. Like I said, one of uh, the favorite guy that I worked with, and unfortunately we don't work together anymore. But we saw each other recently when he stopped in and. Uh, decided we needed to make up the podcast that we had originally talked about. the old slate. Yeah, man. Yeah, it, the, the the first time I saw you after we hadn't talked for a while, you the first thing you said to me is, sorry for ghosting you. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I've been stood up by cuter guys than you. <laughs> You're like, me too. I know, it got bad, man, because I would like, I'm already pretty bad at responding to text messages, but when I have a like a pandemic to lean on too, like I won't. I'll, I think I wouldn't respond to my own parents or something. I'd be like, like sorry, well, there's just a lot going on. <laughs> do, do you now? Do you feel that that was just more of having an out, or do you think that you were actually suffering some? I mean, it, it's an obvious answer because we're all going through it. Or do do you think it was the result of just like? suffering massive stress and trauma from the present situation like were you freaking out a bit oh uh, so when this started so we were so I'll, tell you, I'll give you like the whole story i guess so it was like march 15th or something when everything shut down like that's when i stopped working at fire like i, like it's, I went i woke up and went to bed in two different worlds kind of thing and uh shut up sorry uh, I should just not have that on. But, um, uh, and so then, like, we, uh, you know, they shut down the city. We were, so we were going to headline the Bluebird on the 20th. That's and then right. And for, for a six-week tour across the country, playing, like, opening for big acts. This is going to be one of the biggest tours we've ever done. And in the course of, like, four hours, the Bluebird was canceled and the whole tour was canceled. Um, or, like, maybe two days, I should be more realistic. But... So it went from like thinking I was going to be all over the world, like all over the country, crowd couch surfing, everything like that, and then into a world where like you shouldn't leave your house. That right. was like kind of a weird mentality too. And I definitely was freaking out about it. Like I mean, you because you already saw how drastically the world could change, and it was just this idea of like, man, this could get like, there's no reason this couldn't get like, nothing is impossible at this point. You right. Know what I mean. 
Things so that, that I was, had previously not imagined being possible are suddenly possible, and yeah. I'm terrified that like everything I believed in the world is suddenly just going to go off the edge of the earth, which we'll yeah. find out is flat tomorrow. We'll find yeah, out. Yeah. <laughs> like, and that's where, that's where they, they found the uh, vehicles not from this planet on the other side of the earth or something like that. They broke through the okay. ice wall. Some guy made a rocket that actually worked and didn't blow up 10 feet yeah. off the ground. And no, no. He made it. They just don't want you to know. <laughs> just, That's what we're going to find out. No, keep going. Keep going, yeah. though. I wanted because I wanted to ask you about this. Um, so it was, and I mean, it's. I think it just makes you realize, like, I mean, you have to spend a lot of time to think, and like, right? Like, I. It's almost like, like when it was first starting. You know, we kind of tried to make the best of it. We were getting all our groceries delivered. Like, we were. Um, I mean, I, we were doing that. We were not, weren't leaving the house. We were masking up. I had gloves. I was washing my hands even if I didn't leave the house. Like, I was getting kind of crazy with it. Um, but my, my mindset was, like, if I'm – I'd rather be in a position in a long, um, later down the road to be like, man, I overreacted. Than right. To be like, I should have done more. Right. Um, but, I mean, it's – I'll say this. This whole, like, not being – not touring, not playing music – it's kind of an interesting, like, identity challenge, too, because so much of my life was taken, Absolutely. as you understand, too, of playing shows, being on the road, and um, working on songs, and, like, it takes up a lot of your life, and once it's kind of not there to the same degree, you kind of have all this free time, and you kind of have to think of, like, all right, so what else do I do? Well, and you like, go, you go, who am I really? Yeah. You know, oh, besides I, just a dude in a band. Like, who who am I? What do I have to offer the world? And I remember before my wife and I got together when we just worked together, she heard me grandstanding and holding court behind the bar and felt that I was being kind of arrogant. Place, a great place to do that, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She felt that I was being kind of arrogant and snide, and she called me out and said, what are you? With you know, who are you without your band? Who are you without this identity that you built up for yourself? And you know, it was it was something that at that time got me rethinking the you know the structure of my ego and whatnot. But this current situation, the pandemic, and not being able to play shows and being faced with what our guitar player Tony has called the great band wash of 2020. Oh, you it's know. gonna be crazy what bands like. May, I, I mean, I think it's gonna be in another six months. We'll just see bands like. Did I lose you? It'll be bands like what? Sorry, you. Hold on one second. I was thinking it's gonna be like bands dropping left and right, you know, because they'll just right. be like they can't afford to do it, or like it just it's just not reasonable for them. Hold on. Uh oh. Well, hey, cool. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear oh, you now. Man. So it'll be. Sorry so you that. were saying. You were saying it'll be bands that either can't afford to do it or. It's just you know they. They uh you know depending on their age, um like you know if it's like, you know if they're in a place where it's like listen I could like this could be the way I now start another career or like. I'm in a place where, like, it makes you realize that maybe that wasn't as important to me or something. I'm not saying this is true with me at all. I'm just saying, like, it could be a place. This could be people's outs. Like, they could. This could be the thing where it's like, listen, right. we weren't ever doing anything. 
maybe this is like a, a gift that we we have an easy way out. And and especially like if you're a touring act and you just haven't and you're like because they're like you know some people can't just go get another job or right. like bartend or something like that. Some people are like this. They're in such a position. Like all I do is play music. Like that's the only way I've learned to make money. And when they can't do that for so long, then it might just they might have to, um, uh, like change their life and get a different yeah, do career. something completely different. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing I think about too is with this capacity stuff. Like, you know, if it's if you think about it, like if you can get. Let's, let's use like the Bluebird Theater for example. So that's a six or seven hundred person venue. Right. It's five, it's, like five fifty or six hundred. I think is what it is. Yeah. And it's if you can, and if you're like, if say that's the biggest venue you can get open in some places. They're like no more than five hundred people in a room. Right. Then like these huge bands are gonna start playing those rooms. They'll just play a smaller crowds and have more expensive tickets. Right. So then like everyone will kind of be pushed down a venue tier. And so then, like, the bands who would usually play a 1,000-person room is going to play a 300-person room, and it gets smaller and smaller. So then certain, it'll, like, certain bands will break through, and other bands will still be kind of waiting for more stuff to happen. And I think that's kind of a little more realistic for what's going to happen is, like, with this – because it's not going to go from, like, small small crowd restrictions to just a free-for-all. It's going to be, like – months and months of in, like increasing the capacity and stuff like that you know well I've, I've mentioned this on the show a couple times recently when i talked to our label in germany uh our label rep at rodeo star shout out to rodeo star records and napalm records over in europe uh when i talked to them when i talked to thorsten our label rep he said they're not planning anything till 2022 so what i started thinking about is you have this lag of international tours are out of the game for up to two years okay because of how long it takes to organize and book an international tour okay so you just lose them automatically and then you have the lag of national tours which take at least six months to a year to book for bigger bands you know if you're if you're a smaller independent band you might give yourself six to nine months of lead time but generally i start booking a tour a year in advance I will say shout out to our agent Tymon at Madison House because he we were talking. He's we were like, man, we'd really like to do like a big spring spring tour, and he's like, okay. And then I think two weeks later he had it like all lined up. So wow! Shout out to Tymon for being awesome. Yeah. Uh, it, well, what what? So what I'm thinking, and I, I mentioned this before, is because of that lag, it's going to be all local bands for for a while. Like I looked at the schedule at the Oriental Theater. And it's all... What's that capacity? Their capacity is 700, and they are only... That's a big room. It's a big room. I like that that stage a lot. It's huge. They're at 10% capacity. Yeah, so they're only putting like 70 people in there. 80 people, 80 tickets total. It's just like no one wants... I mean, I think one thing we've all learned now, too, is like part of the show is like... I think what live streams are teaching us too is like part of the show is the camaraderie of the crowd. Well, breathing like, the air of the people that are there with you know with you and and breathing the same air as the band that you came to see. Yeah, like and it's and it's the I mean even with these I mean it shows like even with people live streaming they're having house parties to do live like to watch Billy Strings live stream and stuff like that you know like it's 
people it's the community around it people are in it so and that's the thing with like these huge rooms with only 70 people in it it's like although we so something we'll talk I would like to talk about later but I'll, we, we're working on like a TV show kind of right now in the meantime right. and one of the jokes we wrote was about how uh, like venues are going to be like super small capacity but luckily a lot of touring acts won't notice the difference right exactly <laughs> dude and, and we were making that same joke too is it's like for the first time ever local bands can sell out a show yeah, oh my god, yeah, seriously. <laughs> it's like, dude, we sold out 80 tickets. Ah! Dude, you look at the you look at the hey, can I get the reverb in my mic? You won't need it, trust me. Yeah, you won't need it. <laughs> dude, like we had a... so I looked at the schedule for the Oriental today, and all almost like half the bands on the schedule are my friends' bands. And a few of them have been on the show. Shout out to Nate Valdez from In the Whale and Brent Loveday from uh Reno Divorce. Uh, so it's oh, like... They're two amazing band names. Dude, they're great. They're, they're, they're great. They're awesome bands. But the schedule is all like the trade-ins, you know, one night. Reno Divorce another night. In the Whale another night. And In the Whale and Reno Divorce were both touring juggernauts. Like, In the Whale was on the road all the fucking time. And now they can't do any of that. So they get to be the biggest band in the 80 ticket capacity uh post-pandemic rock and roll scene we were talking me and some friends were talking about how like every show we play from now on will sell out it'll be like, <laughs> we're just like but it'll be like we'll be like first person in or something like you know like it'll be it'll be like we sold like when we, we did two nights at the mishawaka and that's like a th- it's like i think you put like 800 people in that venue or something like that Right. If we sold out two nights, be like, dang, that's crazy. That's like over a thousand people. We're like, yeah, no, that it could be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it definitely could yeah. uh, be. Close to 250 total. But it's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> I mean, so so you have you have a label that's based here in the States, right? We don't have a label. We have a, uh, we're with an agent. We just have an agent. We don't okay, have so you have an agent based here in the States. What, yeah. from what you've heard from your agent... What is the prognosis for for I mean, the like, music industry for the next couple of years? Well, first off, I'm the drummer, so they don't tell me anything. But second <laughs> off, like, uh, but I mean, it just looks like it's do what we like, whatever we can do, do what we can, you know. Um, you know, so we did like a few socially distant. Like we're doing the Gerald Ford Amphitheater up in Vail. Uh, which is like a few thousand people, but there's only like 200 people in the crowd. Like, um, we're doing like, yeah, just gotta play the hand that's dealt and see what's going on. But as far as like getting back to the shows we were playing and everything like that, that's going to be, um, I mean, this time next year, maybe, you know, because it's, it's weird. I mean, it's, it's just not the world's, because I mean, first off, it's gonna—we're gonna go back down. Like, we're everything's gonna get shut down again. There's no way. Right. The I mean, the, dude, we're, all, we're, the, we're at six hundred fifty thousand deaths worldwide. Yeah, I mean, we have millions. Of, like, and it's the thing—the number—the numbers in Denver are starting to climb again. You know uh, why the numbers in Denver are starting to climb again? Dude, right? so no, so check this out, yeah. dude. So is all this, the is states. This a theory, or is this a? Uh, no, this is like okay. this is the. <laughs> It's anecdotal, but I'm sure empirical evidence will come out later. Um, 
So all the states that didn't follow the rules and got shut down recently. So Florida, Georgia, um, Arizona, California, uh, you know, you have you have all these states that that are going through massive shutdowns right now and all their citizens are coming to Denver on vacation. Yeah, dude, tell you what, it's packed right now. That's yeah, the problem. Fire on the Mountain has been packed with out-of-state IDs. My favorite one that I've seen so far was this guy came in, uh, he was from the South somewhere, and he was wearing this shirt, and it's like a Bernie Sanders mock-up, and it says, uh, uh, it's, a, it's a Bernie Sanders mock-up, like, and it, it like looks like the Bernie Sanders font, but instead of saying Bernie, it says socialism sucks. And, <laughs> and the guy, the guy wore it, and you know he talked to his girlfriend. He's like, "Baby, we're gonna go to this here hippie Grateful Dead chicken yeah. wing joint. Look what shirt I wore. Hey, check it out, baby. God, can't Look we go anywhere without you embarrassing the shit out of me? Come on. Oh, these, these cuck snowflakes are gonna love it." <laughs> <laughs> Dude, watch, watch, watch me get a reaction out of these cuck snowflakes, man. <laughs> so I just gave him the best possible customer yeah. service I could have. Kissed him on the lips. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, so, so we've been seeing an awful lot of that. Um, well, that was a thing back home. Like, so I grew up on Cape Cod, like east, far east, far east. I had to just do directions. I the eastern part of Massachusetts, and there's a lot of New Yorkers vacation there. And there was like the Cape Cod Times, the big newspaper, like the big newspaper on the Cape, had this headlining article where like New Yorkers don't come here, like we don't want you, like just because you're coming to your vacation house, like Holy very man, very Massachusetts, like yeah, yeah, we don't yeah, we don't want your money, like get out of here, right? It was because that's where they were going. They were like, uh, uh, you know, going to their vacation houses on the Cape and stuff like that. Oh, God, yeah. It's I think the wor- the hardest thing is is like I've said this a bit. It was like we're in such a, a gen- it's a, such a world right now where we never like saying I don't know doesn't end a conversation. Like you're we're connect- and I'm not saying this negatively, but we have access to all the information. Like anything you want to know, you kind of can look up without like it, unless it's like a government secret. You know what I mean? Like if I wanted to know like. How tall was Winston Churchill? I can just look that up, like all this. But now we're in a with this coronavirus. Like, there's really, we're, we're there's so many. Like, well, what about like X, Y, or Z? We're like, I have no idea. Like, I don't know what this will do. I don't know what this is. And it's like, I think that freaks us out too. Is that we just don't have the answer. We're kind of at the whim of nature, you know? Right. Well, and and there's there's this other thing that is going on because this. This applies across a multitude of uh, of arenas uh, and a multitude of, of topics and, and global issues is there is a massive distrust for authority. And so there is there is information out there, but um, people have this distrust because there has been conflicts of interest. There has been um, misinformation. You know, yeah. you look you look at like the World Health Organization and the CDC, who uh, have given 
varying degrees of incorrect information, plus you have uh, pundits who are trying to undermine them and uh, and and what do you call it? Discredit their authority um, because it 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 what their narrative is doesn't aid them politically. So you've seen this huge spike in conspiracy theories because sometimes conspiracy theories turn out to be right. And when you have a bunch of people, when you have a bunch of people who aren't trusting authorities, they're going to be more given to listen to non-authorities, if that makes sense. If you could choose one ridiculous conspiracy theory to be true, what would it be? To be true? The lizard people. Uh, the, yeah, that's the good. lizard people. Dude, that would be so like if that conspiracy theory was true, that would be like that would be fucking insane. Or um UFOs at uh like UFO contact, like confirmation of alien life. Absolutely. Well, I mean, they just did that last week, didn't they? Yeah, you know, and then they just kind of stopped talking about it. You know? Yeah. So It's like did you ever watch The West Wing? Only <laughs> you. You mean that show from the nineties? Yeah, exactly. All seven seasons that I watched. Uh, the uh, <laughs> dude, I used to. This is not a joke. In college, I love like TV shows for people two generations older than me. Like I used to in college. I had a class at noon and I had a class at three. So I would like leave class. Oh no, it ended at noon. I think, and I would get home and watch two and a half episodes of Law and Order, and then go to class after. Dude, Every- I used. Law and Order is rad. I used to watch Law and Order all the time. It's such a, and like, even though I know the formula because like, they get the crime, they find one guy and then they're like, oh, it's not that guy. And then it's like, there's a twist that it's not the person they get the next guy. Right. I still fucking love that show. But anyway, West Wing, they have this thing where they talk about like, it's like taking out the trash and it's like, on the news cycle and they'll like, know when it's, no one's paying attention to the news and that's when they'll sneak out all the stuff. They want to just like, yeah, anyway. like they're just like, yeah, anyway, so yeah, we bombed this place, so we'll go. But I feel like that's uh, almost like what that uh, the alien vehicle news report was, where they're just like, oh, yeah, and there's aliens, but anyway, <laughs> right? No, totally. And I heard that and I got super excited because I was like, I, you know, I, I was like, I remember I was out with my wife and my kid, and I was like, holy shit, it's happening. Like, it's really happening. Like, we're going to see aliens. And then the story just didn't develop anymore. You know what I mean? It kind of seemed like it was... Like, because all that they really did was push the story about the the video of those fighter pilots the tic, who... The tic-tac thing, right? The, the like, the, the, the little thing yeah. that, like, flew Next. off the screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think that's the only one. Um... It's uh, yeah. I've always thought like, what if, just like how I think it's just my sense of humor. Like I always think of like the wor- like how it could be bad or like the worst. Like if the aliens came out and they just like looked like really average people. <laughs> what if aliens were worse than us? They, yeah, like if, like what if we're like we we just have this assumption because they like, but I mean, what if they just like when we went to the burning things we find in the ground route to fuel things? What if they went like. So, so they could have just gone one degree, like they could be way smarter in vehicles, 
but then like they could have like no hand-eye coordination or something. Like, they're just <laughs> then how did they develop the vehicles? It took them a very long time. But <laughs> they're like dropping tools the whole yeah. time. God dang it! <laughs> yeah, they're all they all have the intellect of like just really like they're just really dumb, but they're re- like that's they have a real niche for flying saucers. That's all they can do. And we're like, can you help us solve problems? We're like, no, no. <laughs> like it's like it's like that. We all have that relative who is like a brilliant machinist or mechanic or something like that, like or like super handy, but they also believe. Yeah, they also, also burned. They almost burned their house down like eight times. Yeah, or they like also believe that coronavirus is a democratic conspiracy to turn us all into fucking Muslim vegetarians or something yeah, like no, that. I, yeah, I have smart people in my family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you have an uncle too. Right on. Yeah, no. No, it, it, no, so I same mean, question. If you, yeah, or, or no, no, I'm before we move on to that. Like, I just know like if I had someone in my family like that, because just knowing my family, they would like tear them apart. Like, you know, like, it's like, are you kidding? Like trying to like drop that one in on uh, that Thanksgiving this year. Like, so, uh, you know, I uh, read this article. <laughs> just like building up the courage to just I know. never be invited again to anything. <laughs> they're like, they're like writing out a big list of everything they're going to talk about at Thanksgiving. They're like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna he's, shed some light on my family this year. He said he like stands up to give a speech. But ding ding ding! Can I just over the last two years? <laughs> I've prepared a dossier. Yeah. <laughs> Um, why, did, why did our uncle bring a PowerPoint in? <laughs> uh, let's start with Nancy Pelosi. All right. Um, no, uh, speaking of which, speaking of Thanksgiving, did you hear that Target is canceling Black Friday this year? Good. Um, Good. You, like, it, it's unbelievable. It's like almost like this weird, like I'm really starting to believe in the th- simulation theory of existence. Because it's like, it's what almost. It? Go ahead. What about that? What about that makes you believe in the simulation theory? It, just because it's like all these problems are being fixed because of a virus. You know what I mean? Like a lot of things are happening. Oh, so this is like almost like the vi- if we were a, if this was a computer. Um, like this, the virus is like almost a software update getting rid of like bad things. Well, and it, it's like, it's like, it's okay, how can we keep them engaged in the simulation? It's like, uh, global pandemic. Uh, Here's the thing about the, the simulation. Civil unrest. Uh, but like, aliens. And then, uh, Black Friday shuts down. You know what I mean? I like, they went to aliens and they're like, we have to take it a step further. And they're like, amazing <laughs> deals must leave. What do people give a shit about? Buying stuff in large crowds. Okay. Uh, I, I, I went to one Black Friday once and it's a very fond memory. But You had a good no time? That, yeah, no point to that story. But the, uh, <laughs> uh, no, like, I just, the simulation theory. So here's my question. Is it like, is it like the Matrix where we're all humans in pods? Or is it like we are just... So the way I've heard it is like, it's like we are processed, like the earth is just one massive processor and we're smaller processors in it processing other things. And like, 
the and then like that is a the planet and the universe is just another so it's like we're just like so it's like world of warcraft or like fortnite i just don't is there any sentient being controlling it that's my question and i don't think there's like an answer obviously but like so i think I think the the general simulation theory, and I say this as being an expert in nothing. I'm a almost 40-year-old man who works in a chicken wing joint, has been playing in a rock and roll band with my friends for 25 years, so I'm an authority. You probably have a lot more to teach the world than you think. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty fucking dumb. But uh, but, but from, from what I understand is it's just, it's mostly a thought experiment about if a simulation existed it would be advanced enough such that we wouldn't know we were in the simulation and therefore it is equally if not more probable than a, a subjective reality is just like natural emergence of of our neurological biology right and then all the other kind of fantasy ideas around it are kind of like choose your own adventure you know it's like it's like it might be a matrix pod human enslavement by robots thing it might be the earth is a processor and humans are a smaller processors within the processor and then there's the universe which is an even bigger processor you know like i i think it's um i think it's kind of up to you what the actual scenario looks like I think that I think it's just I don't know I, I think I think just we're just the weirdest thing that's ever happened in the universe sometimes it's just like I you know it's I think life it's like it's crazy I think it's a crazy enough theory that just like we just uh, like evolved from toads or something whatever you know what I mean like right that's are crazy you, enough for me are you familiar with the Fermi paradox at all do you know what the Fermi paradox is Fermi I got it no. So I there's. Know the fur, I know the Furby paradox. The fu- <laughs> <laughs> the Furby paradox. Yeah, you mean yeah, that they're yeah. they're cute and they're also scary. Yeah, we're all just Furbies in trench coats. <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of Furbies stacked on top like, of me. Forty five. Like it's a lot of them. They're really. Yeah. Forty five Furbies stacked that's on why top. They don't let you into surgeries because they just cut you open and put different Furbies in there. This episode is going to be called the Furby paradox. <laughs> Furby paradox. Writing it down now. Um, no, the uh, the Fermi paradox um, is basically a set of th- thoughts with regard, uh, like thoughts of probability with regard to the different scenarios as to why we haven't encountered alien life. Oh, I think it's, I mean, I think that Neil deGrasse Tyson put it perfectly. He's like, do you ever look at an ant and you're like, man, I really wonder what's going on there. Right. I guess that implies that they're smarter than us and not just average humans like we just talked about. Right. Well, that that's that's within uh, the universe of the of the Fermi paradox. There's like there's the idea that like one one position of it, one perspective to take is that we are too far away. Another perspective to take is that all the other uh, civilizations in the universe have failed, have reached a certain point, and 
destroyed themselves. Like there's this whole idea of um, like exo- exogenesis or whatever it's called. Well, there's this whole idea of um, of great filters, and like we have passed many of the great filters. Okay, like we have survived like, ice like ages. Brita. Like what? Oh, like, like Britta. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually called the Britta paradox. Yeah, the Britta paradox. The Brita paradox. <laughs> well, so it, it, it just presents all these different ideas as to why maybe we haven't encountered alien life. There's And among the ideas is that even though probability from a uh, prob- probability, probabilistically speaking, if that's even a word, I don't think it is. But uh, in, in terms of probability, it is possible that we are the first organisms in the planet, even though probability wise, there is likely other planets. Like it's possible that we might be the first. It's possible that we might be the last and it's possible that we're just too far away and we'll never meet anybody. Dang, that'd be like living it like, that'd be like, uh, that'd be so shitty if we just found out like all these other pet planets are just fucking popping off right near each other it's like a party it's super fun it's like living in a farm town and knowing the city is like six hours away <laughs> it's like oh they're so like all these planets it's just a, oh it's like margaritaville the planets over there and like everything like and then we're just like the like fucking podunk farmville out here. you're hearing about like all these amazing parties yeah. and like and shows and stuff that's going on to like in the city and it's like Ooh, there's a never-ending motley crew concert on one planet <laughs> <laughs> that is why. no dude that that is a dimension of pure chaos like in the event in in event horizon like an, an endless motley crew concert would would be a dimension Similar to hell, I'm pretty sure. I just in the crowd here and kickstart my heart again. Like, just fucking kill me. <laughs> Dude, I've been at this concert for 70 there years. A, there was a Stephen King movie about that. Or like, uh, so Stephen <laughs> King did a... So, especially that NBC did once. I think it was right after Law & Order, before ER. They uh, did, they did like an hour. It was like Stephen King, like, hour. And it would do like a miniseries of different shows he did. And one was rock and roll heaven and like but the concert the, the scary part was the concert never ended like they just kept playing and people in the crowd were like we've been here for years like literally what we just said was a TV show you can watch on YouTube now really? yeah it's fucking <laughs> it's it, like like Janis Joplin's there Jimi Hendrix like all this, and they're like oh it's rock and roll heaven they're gonna play a concert and you see people like leave wait what was this on? It was on NBC. They did like a Stephen King hour or something. Was it like was it like the Langoliers? Do you remember the Langoliers? Yeah. Where there are those little crappy CGI characters that um, devoured time? What? Yeah, it was really weird. It was like uh, Balky from Perfect Strangers was on it. Um, <laughs> and I can't remember any of the other actors that were in it. But basically this airplane flew through a rip in the space-time oh, continuum and they go to a and there's and they go to an airport i remember the scene and they they the way they got off the plane is they used the slide and there were these things and this guy was like he was like kind of crazy he just kept tearing paper i remember this kind of yeah 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 and like so basically it is the same thing it's the same it's the same series 
It was a series? No, no, it's like each episode was a different story. Oh. Now, well, no, because the, the, the Langoliers was a probably the worst Stephen King thing ever made, by the way. It was probably the worst Stephen King thing ever made. And it was it was a full-on miniseries dedicated to this kind of neat idea, but really poorly executed idea of these... This plane gets like... They end up essentially stuck in the past, but like the moment before now, essentially... Like they end up just kind of lagging behind the. It's almost, like, it's almost like Stephen King totally forgot there was a meeting about this movie and just made it up on the spot. <laughs> ah, so uh, let's see. Um, like, they get uh, stuck in time, and uh, yeah. the beer tastes really weird and yeah. doesn't have bubbles in it, and uh, there's no people because they all exist in you know. And, then, and they're not sold, and he's like. And they're on an airplane. Like, all right, done. We're in. <laughs> as long as it's got an airplane in it. Yeah. We, but yeah, we, so we so of, yeah, we paid a lot of money for that. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, what the plot is is that, like, these guys get to see what happens to time after the moment is passed, and there's these little creatures called the Langoliers that devour reality behind present time jeez that is that's like even for Stephen King who would just like drink until he couldn't remember writing books like that's <laughs> even weird have you ever heard that he doesn't remember what book is it the what about the dog what's the story about the dog Cujo yeah he doesn't remember writing it because he was so drunk yeah he was just hammered All he was so hammered that he just was like I don't really remember writing that book <laughs> I'm not surprised he used yeah. to party man he's a uh, you know uh, Stephen King's a punk rocker man yeah, he has a little band, I think. I think he like has a band with him and his friends or something. He posts on his Instagram, he'll post photos of it and stuff. Dude, I would I would be in Stephen King's band even if he like sucked at his instrument cuz you know he'd have like lots of really great ideas for he'd motifs. He'd probably have the best jam room ever. Oh yeah, like, pretty good. He'd be like he'd have such a, he'd probably have a studio and have no idea how to operate. It, you know what I mean? Like he would just be like, "Yeah, I just bought everything." Like when you have that I thought it'd be fun. Yeah. I mean, I've written all the scary books of your yeah, entire I, lifetime. I created fear. Like, <laughs> <laughs> fear as you know it yeah. came from my brain. Uh, he's actually, he's a pretty fascinating character. I think he's, um, like I think he's sober now, too. I think probably. Like, I, I did yeah. see a picture of him at uh, the Misfits reunion show in L.A. Like, he went to really? that shit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But uh, what, there's something interesting about him is... Um, one of his books uh, is called On Writing, and he just talks about the process of creating. Like, he just talks about the pro- like how he goes about writing a book. It's not a horror story. It's like a, yeah. it's a, it's a reference guide. And doesn't he say, like, doesn't like he writes, like, like, a few sentences at a time? Or, like, he doesn't. He he doesn't like sit down and get like he'll be like I got six pages that's a that's a good day. So what what I understand is that he sits down and he puts in basically his thousand words every day or his however many pages every day. Like he sits down and just does the work, no matter how shitty it is. There's this really good video um, of him actually having a uh, a live conversation 
on a stage. Remember stages? He has a live conversation on a stage with... Um, 6,000 person room. There's eight people there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has a conversation with uh, George Martin. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, no, that's, so that's what I'm thinking of. We're like... That George Martin, George R. R. Martin's the guy who's like, yeah, I write like six words at a time. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Take, so like, Stephen King's like, how do you do that? Well, yeah, and he asks, George R. R. Martin asks Stephen King, he's like, how do you write so many fucking books so fast? And Stephen King's like, I just, I sit down and I, and I write every single day and no matter what. And, you know, when you compound that and aggregate that over time, you produce a body of work like he's he's a pretty inspiring dude. And um, as far as I definitely recommend on writing to to anyone who uh, I should try that. I've been writing recently. Some. Well, I mean, I just mean his attitude applies to any craft as far as I'm concerned. It's just like. Well, there's like the um, what's his name? It's the guy who wrote the War of Art. Uh, Stephen Pressfield. No, maybe it wasn't him then. No, the War of Art is Stephen Pressfield. He wrote oh, the, yeah, he no, wrote the I, War I, of I, Art. Do the work. I think um, it's do the work. Yeah, where he's talking about like if you're like there's no like if you're a doctor you don't get doctor's block or something where he's like he's like so writer's block <laughs> isn't a thing like he's like like he kind of so I was listening to some author on some other podcast and he's like yeah I read that and. Uh, finished my book five days earlier than I thought because I guess oh I guess can't do right that. right and um, it's uh, we talked about this on the uh, we had Adrian Connor from Hell's Bells on here recently shout out to Adrian and we were talking about the 50 pounds of clay uh, idea have you heard of that oh what's that which is basically like so the story goes whether it's a true story or not, I can't actually say. But in a, the, in a room like this, on a day yeah. just like this, on a night just like this. Now, there's this this story basically that there was an experiment run, an educational experiment, where a group of uh, 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 an art teacher had two groups of students. And the first group of students, she said, I'm going to grade you based on the quality of your work. All right, if you can produce one perfect piece of pottery, I'll give you an A. And then I'll, I'll judge them based on the quality of it and send them to work. And then say, to the second group, to group B of students, said, uh, I'm going to grade you based upon the quantity of your work. Give me 50 pounds of pots and I'll give you an A. Give me 40 pounds, I'll give you a B. Give me 30 pounds, I'll give you a D. On and on like that. And at the end of the experiment, they found that the greatest quality of work came from the quantity group because while the quality group was sitting there theorizing about what the perfect piece would look like, the quality group was busy creating and honing their craft and getting better and better and better and producing a, a wider uh, wider body of work. It's like the uh, it's like the Thomas Edison. You know, he's like, it's like I didn't I didn't mess up a thousand times. I just learned a bunch. Like I learned a million ways not to make a light bulb, kind of thing. Right, right. What did he yeah. say? Uh, what did he say? I I that yeah. It's some story about how many d times he failed in the process of succeeding. And you know, we romanticize that story, even though Edison was just the. Uh, public a face a real nifty guy he was a real <laughs> nifty guy 
um, yeah. you know, who basically took credit for a bunch of people's work. But his laboratory, his, you know, the, the, the people that worked for him um, put out a tremendous amount of patents and put out a tremendous amount of prototypes before finally arriving at the final, like, what what we would know is the incandescent light bulb. Yeah. Talking about light bulbs, man. Hey, if you're just joining us, we're talking about light bulbs yeah. here on <laughs> Cuck Talk. <laughs> W-K-U-K. Uh... W-K-U-K. Hey, uh... if you're just joining us on W-K-U-K, we're here talking with Tyler Gwynn, head cuck. Tyler, how you doing? <laughs> I wish I had, I, like, I wish I had, a, I was thinking about, like, just get, figuring out how to make a soundboard of all the old radio noises, like, <laughs> oh my god. New sounds. Yeah. Sounds of the Rockies. Class so, hits of today. So Class. tell me, um, so we, we, we talked a little bit about, or, or we began to touch on what you guys have been doing to stay engaged and and keep your band together because man the uh we talked about once you're out of the container of your your scene or of the identity of being in a band every day it's really easy to kind of find yourself busied with other things and and that part of yourself to slip away you know and obviously you guys want to keep your band together so yeah, what have you guys been doing to what have you guys been doing to keep it in, together, keep engaged, uh, so keep luck- advancing? So luckily, we um, right before quarantine, like literally like uh, two weeks before everything shut down, we did a, we did a, we finished a Kickstarter for our album, um, our third album, and we raised money for that. Um, I mean, look, we like if we had waited another few weeks, we would have been screwed. But we oh, yeah. raised it. Because you can you imagine like everything shutting down and us being like, hey, I know you're having money for groceries, but I'm trying to be a rock star. <laughs> but, yeah. but, uh, right. Yeah. But, right. Uh, and it's, it's already weird enough asking for money, but when you know no one has it, then it's really right. Weird. When the but, whole planet goes on a yeah. GoFundMe, you're like, like man, y'all, that's fucking. Dude, I have some money. Yeah. But uh, speaking of so, which, shout out to our patrons. Thank yeah. you so much. <laughs> Yeah, good. Yeah, I'm just leading you along for backing us. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but so we we actually just did we did a lot of time in the studio. I think we did nine days in a row. I was I mean, luckily I not luckily, but like I got my stuff done in the few, last two days. The rest of the guys were in there for like six days after me, like doing a lot of overdubs and tracks. And we got a lot of songs recorded. I think more than we could actually put on the album. So we're now in the process of kind of deciding which songs go on the album and like all stuff like that and it's right. a cool it's, it's an interesting problem to have because I'll, you know someone will say like this it's like I think these songs these eight songs and someone will be like yeah well what about this song is really good and we're like they're all good like we can't like it's a like they're all they're all good but we just have to find like what's the the goodest <laughs> right 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 but uh it's, so we've been doing that, and we're actually um, working on like a like a some type of like a lot like a music and skit show right now. Which is awesome. I love this idea. Um, yeah. So it's given me a chance to kind of like I, I mean 
you and me when we worked together, we would just do bits all the time. Like, Dude, that was just, like that was my favorite part about working with you was I mean, just like cracking jokes the whole we time. To a fault where we would like people would be like, "Can I get some help?" Like, no, 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 give me. A <laughs> Hold on, I got to finish this joke. This is yeah, very important. Yeah, you're gonna love it. I don't care if you're hungry, but the uh, <laughs> um, so I've been working on some stuff like that, and I think it's just right now the question is like, and I'm sure there's so many different. And this happens. This has happened in the past in ways where, like, you know, bands used to be able, like, Steely Dan used to not have to tour. You know, they could just be a studio band. Like, I mean, shit, a, the Beatles, uh, Harry Nilsson is another one. You could make money and not tour, and then that changed. Right. So then for a long time, it was you had to play, you know, it was a combination of record sales and live shows. And then it became a lot of live shows, which I think is why jam band or uh, improvisation in shows um has gotten way more popular because like you can so then you can like people will come to multiple shows because they know it'll be a completely different thing right um but now with that kind of changing now we're in a different we're in a world where like what is it what does it now mean to be a performer you know and it's are you because if you can't do live shows and you know live streams can only there's like a kind of a unless you're like huge unless you're like Billy Strings or Green Sky at least in our world like your lives uh, or like Panic who does they don't even they just like show old concerts like it's you're not it's kind of a like a ceiling on that so you have to we've been just thinking about how do we what other avenues are there for us to be 10th Mountain Division and still provide a service to the public in some way and be a band so it's been it's it's an interesting challenge and I think Luckily, we're all we're on a place like where we're not. It's not like a life or death for us right now. So we can, like, we we weren't really living off it before. So we're not worried about living off it now. Right. I um, mean, are you still doing stuff to keep your fan base engaged, though, or are you guys just kind of letting it be okay that every band is off of everyone's radar right now? I mean, we're doing so. We did. We've been doing live streams. We've had some. We've doing some shows. In Colorado, so we've had we did two nights at the Mish, which was fun. Um, we did. Was it weird? Oh yeah, super weird. Dude, our uh, producer, our producer Gordo, did one of the shows at the Oriental and said it was fun. It was great to get out and play for people, but it was super weird. Well, so here's the thing: the Mish is probably one of my favorite, if not my favorite, venue in Colorado to uh, to play and go to because it's like it's super secluded. It's beautiful. It's like you're in your own universe for it. And right. we were talking to, we were set sound checking and doing everything. And I talked to the sound guy and I was like, oh, man, I don't know if it's going to be weird or not. And he's like, dude, don't worry. It's definitely going to be weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be the weirdest show you've yeah. ever played. And it's like, cause it's like the idea of like, it's what we were talking about earlier. It's like, it's a sold out show and I'm ha- super happy we did it too. But it's funny to like the idea of a sold out show and like the social distancing, there's just this weird where everyone's still having fun, but there's still this cloud of restriction and like kind of something on the horizon. But that being said, it was super fun. It was super, it was nice because it gave people a chance to forget about it all and like do what we, why people go to music, forget about the world for a second and then just enjoy living in the moment. The weirdness, the weirdness factor I'm guessing isn't too bad because we're all going through it together at the same time. You know, so it's like it's it's weird, but it's weird it's like, for everybody. 
think we're friends. Like we're trying to get uh, get through this thing we call life or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but like, uh, so I guess this is growing up. <laughs> Um, I, I hope I continue to grow up, but, uh, yeah, um, but you know, I mean, so we've been doing shows like that. We just did a live stream from the Villar Center, the Villar Performing Arts Center in Beaver Creek, which was, I mean, playing a room like that was, that's really you, cool. You feel so out of like, talk about it. Just got a hair in my throat. Talk about a imposter syndrome where like, I'm in a room where like, Herbie Hancock, Ringo Starr, Cheryl, like all these huge names. Like, yeah, this That's is where really they cool. would, this is their green, this is where they would be. And like, it's the same operation. I'm like, why are we here? Like, it's like, what is, but it was super cool to do that show. We did like an acoustic show. So it was very different from what we usually do. An awesome challenge. And so, I mean, we're still getting out there as much as we can. And I think coming into the fall, we have some other stuff we're working on. And it's, you know, I, I think it's before you're really worried about always being engaged and always being this. But I think it's kind of an accepted thing that everyone's a little distracted right now. So if you're right. not like pushing them for this or pushing them for that, like they'll still be there. Like life's just on pause for a second. Right. Still- and I, I've been trying to tell because because I've gone kind of a different way with all of this because I can't play shows. Our guitar player lives in Chicago. We're not going to put him on an airplane and fly him out to play for 50 to 80 people. You know what I mean? So we're just... It, especially, it's, like, it's not to a degree like trying... There's a... Trying to play right now is like kind of pointless. Like not, if he lived not, here, I would do it for sure. If he yeah. lived here, we would we would play shows to have the experience to be with people. But the fact that we haven't has really helped me to see that like you know what it's okay that modern wisdom of you've got to post something on instagram every day you've got to do a live stream on facebook every week you have to have this many subs on youtube or you're a complete and total failure it's like that's not entirely true in fact it's like it's you're you may not have the same metrics on the internet but the people who love you are going to be very excited to see your name pop up when we all fucking peek our heads out of this they're going to be like oh my god I'm so glad you guys are still together and I think it's like you know I think it's also the thing of like what you want out of music too well there's also this like like, you know it's like what people like like, you know like what you as the musician or you as the creator it gives you like a reset almost. So when you come back, you can kind of maybe have a new image or a new thing or like just approach the whole craft differently. Well, it's like, do you yeah. want to, do you want to be a musician or do you want to be an SEO expert or do you want to be a fucking social media expert? You know what I mean? And I know all that stuff is important and we're doing a fucking live stream podcast on YouTube and Twitch and Facebook right now. So I get the irony, but no, you know, but it's, it, the, I mean, it's like, you do this, but you don't want this to be everything. So, so I want. So, I'm going to share something with you that that has been something that I've been kind of like working through for a while, and I've talked about it. Like, and, I'm going to share with something. I witnessed a murder when I was 13. <laughs> <laughs> well, so 
I had to change my relationship with social media. I won't say that I quit social media because obviously I didn't quit social media. I didn't shut down my accounts. I didn't, you know. You had to change it from like a personal to a professional mindset? Yeah. I mean, I, I got rid of the apps on my phone and I really only use Messenger and I share stuff to the band page, but I don't, I, I found myself getting swept up in crowd think. I found myself siloed to a degree. And, and, and I think it would, What do you mean by that? Well, I, I guess it would, like, ideologically, I, I should say that I found myself observing a silo that I had been in, ideologically speaking, to where, um, to basically where I began to observe how my thinking was was corrupted and I was losing the my my ability to reason and I found myself just getting you know my fear and anger response triggered on a regular basis and I and it was it was affecting my relationship with my family and I so I had to change my relationship and so because I had to change that relationship I stopped doing the the daily videos that I was doing yeah. And as a result of that, I began using the setup, the breakdown, the um, posting and promotional time that I would have normally put into those videos and instead put that into using that block of time that I had carved out to play my fucking guitar, to play my guitar and learn about music and practicing getting better and practicing developing the craft. And as time has gone on, even though I feel like at this point I would be much more able to pop in and out of the feeds and and like I've kind of purged my brain to a baseline that I would be able to handle, I don't miss it. Like I've yeah. kind of... I've kind of unplugged from that mode of thinking and because of the current situation that we're in globally, I've I've just been focusing more on the immediately local, you know, the top three things that are important to me, you know, my wife and kid fucking playing music and and providing for my family, you know, going to work, yeah. like basically and my and my other relationships, you know. I've only been able to focus on those things. I mean, I, I follow the news and I follow world is issues and I keep myself well informed, but I'm no longer participating in the ideological Ponzi scheme that is social media. Yeah, I mean, I definitely have been thinking about that a lot because like, I was so in kind of a different way but I've been dealing like trying to focus on like dealing with my anxiety a lot recently and I think a lot of it comes from the concept of like you know judging judging you're behind the scenes with everyone else's greatest hits right you know what I mean absolutely and like Instagram and stuff like that well I love it and I love using it because I love posting like funny things and you know stuff like that it can it can kind of it, it ha it's a double-edged sword where it can really help you and it can be fun to connect with people because like i mean i have a lot of friends and family still back east that that's how i kind of keep in touch with them and know what's going on but at the same time and then when you're like don't do anything for two days and you see people hiking and doing all this and hanging out and laughing and having fun you kind of 
it makes you like question if you're making good decisions or like you're um and that can just be and i don't know if that's just a per like a personal thing or instagram has created that you know what i mean well and and i think as a as a creative you know nothing hurts worse than seeing one of your contemporaries outperform you by leaps and bounds at least to in terms of your perception you know seeing seeing a band that you play with or have played with getting on some amazing tour or getting some big opportunity you know you begin to compare that to yourself and go is it something wrong with me like like is there something that i'm doing wrong is it just that they're awesome and i suck you know that that comparison which is which is totally universal by the way yeah you know even oh, the band even the band that you look up to the most looks up to someone else and holds themselves to some other impossible standard. I would love to know that, like, U2 is still just like, yo, fuck the Rolling Stones or something. Like <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I think, um, I think that no matter how high you go up in the, uh, up the ladder of the entertainment world, I think... I think that self-doubt is part and parcel to the creative package. You know what I mean? I think like, it's just like so. Like, it's hard to take yourself or like leave the ego at the door sometimes. You know, well, it's I mean, like you put so much because it's it's not like you're just making something and if it doesn't work, it's like if you're not like making a machine. You know, you're not. It's actually a creation of like your emotion, like your emotions and your being and everything like that. And if it doesn't get a good response, it's almost like you're, and I'm saying it's not as, I don't write songs or anything, so I can only imagine, but like, it's like, you're, people are saying like, hey, you know that part of your soul? Yeah, I don't really like it. Or, you know or I mean? it just, it didn't even register with me. Yeah. You know, like, because no one is there for the process. You know, no one is there for when you were sweating it out playing your drums on this recording and struggled with this take and really practiced your ass off to get to this certain level and then and then somebody listens to it on the internet and they literally like listen to it for 30 seconds and maybe if you're lucky go oh that's cool click I think about that with like dating apps sometimes too like I, I <laughs> like like that like tinder where like I can just like in like two seconds, you just write a person off just by looking at them. It's like so weird. You're like, you're like, no, just like, nope. You know, no, no, no. You're just like writing people off. It's so, I don't know. I think it's because I can see people do it. They like see a photo of me and like, oh god, just like so. Because let's see Charlie Manson over here. But, see that? That's why they don't uh, Mick Foley. Actually, that's they, why they don't. Yeah. <laughs> that's why they don't report. Um, like. I mean, I assume I've I've actually never been on Tinder. It was it was uh, before or after my time, but uh, the uh, you know I, I assume they don't report data that says how many times people swept off, uh, swiped off your picture. What if that was a th what? If, could you imagine just like every day getting the report like six hundred people did not like you today, dude? Like, I'll bet there's a third. I'll bet there's a third party developer. Who has a um, like? Who has some sort of like? Uh, what do you call it? Uh, update that you can add to the app, like jailbreak the app or what? Whatever yeah. the kids call it, have something where like you can go on, like, 
because there are third-party developers who come up with things that are like, you know, get more information on your Facebook followers or, you know, find out when someone's unfollowed you or find out when someone has unliked your page or whatever. I guarantee there's a third-party app that's like, see how many people don't like you on Tinder. Dude, I've... I've had this idea for the worst game show in the world sometimes. <laughs> the and worst game show. What would called, be the worst game show in the world? It's called It's called Who Hates You More? And it's <laughs> you get people from your close personal life come on stage and you have to guess which one hates you more. Oh my god. And, like, and there's no, and it's like I don't know how it would run. You'd be like, I think him is like, no, he actually likes you. And the guy's like, Why would you think I hate you? And then, <laughs> Dude, and you could have like, you would have to have your casting director yeah. find like super, like shocking cases. Yeah, like no, where it's like right. you bring someone on, it's like your mom hates you more than anybody you know. Yeah. Or like, or you have to guess like which parent loves you more or something like. <laughs> just like because really, remember there was that show. It was called like Would I Lie to You or something like that. Do you remember this? No, it was um. But they put people into a, a a lie detector. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, and I remember once there was one where the guy it was like, it's just they would ask these horrendous. It was like, did you spend your? Did you gamble away your kid's college fund or something? And I was like, oh my fucking god. Yeah, and it's like if that's a yes, like you're about to watch a family never talk to each other on live TV. Like you know what I mean? Like. Well, and if they're yeah. even asking the question, chances yeah. are the answer is yes. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, why would you ask that if that's not a possibility? Right. I, it's like, yeah, I just thought there'd be always. It's a, I mean, that's kind of like what I'm doing. <laughs> Who hates you more? They Who had, so they had, um, they had an app kind of like that. Do you remember uh, Saraha? No. Dude, it made it maybe a week. It made it maybe a week, and then it completely failed. What but, is so be like? Just like society rates you or something like that? So basically what Saraha was, was anybody could post their honest opinion of you completely anonymously. Oh my God, that's awful. Yeah, so basically what it was is it was the old internet, you know? (laughs) (laughs) It It was basically AOL Messenger, which is, you know, I remember... I remember oh, yeah. when that was a thing, you know, like... Yeah, I, remember, I got one, and my parents didn't want me to have one. They, they were, like, pretty mad. And I, they are like, what's this? I was like, <laughs> we, Well, we had a message board on um, our website when our band first started, when we were in high school, and anybody could sign up on the message board. You didn't have to give any information. I mean, I, dude, AOL Messenger. There are tons of people I was friends with on AOL. I have no idea who they were. You know, Can you imagine opening that? Like, what? Talk about a time capsule. If you could open up your AOL again, like see your about me. You remember your information and stuff like that. See I transcripts have, of your old I think conversations. I have, I, think I have a line from an Atari song on mine. I think. <laughs> I think mine. I think I would beat my AOL self up right now. I think right. I'd be like this kid is so lame. <laughs> like, I mean, I guess you can. See, there are still anonymous sites. Like, can't you be anonymous on like Reddit? And, I mean, like, you can and have, like, Twitter and things have, like that. You can have like burner accounts. Like people have like fake accounts that are just like they're like people sock puppet have, like, accounts or whatever they're called. 
No, they just like it's a burner. So if you want to post something embarrassing, you can just their their names will literally be like this isn't my real account or something like that. Right. Like I've seen that on Reddit before. I know 4chan you can be anonymous. Well, I've never I've never been on 4chan, but I know you can be anonymous. Well, that's that's the supposed that's to be like the whole draw yeah. of it, right? Is like so, incels can go on there and so, go. So a bunch of like, and and what it mostly is is, I like to imagine that all the people on like message boards like that are all just fourteen year old kids like I was when I was fourteen, just like posting the worst shit that they can on the internet, and then just like laughing with their friends and running out of the yeah. room. You know what I mean? Like, but it, I I like to imagine that like literally everyone on there is is just a kid that's like trolling the whole planet it's and getting dude, people upset. It's dude from the Jerk Ranch joke we used to have. <laughs> oh, yeah, the Jerk Ranch. Yeah, so, <laughs> so, so I now I've tried to spread that joke around, yeah, and it dude, hasn't made it. So, dude, it's such a good it one. It's Because it's just like, it's so dumb, though. It's like, so to explain it, to people how, how the Jerk Ranch joke worked is basically when you are working on the expo at Fire on the Mountain, you see the Order of the Wings, and then you see what the sauces are, and you see what the dressings are. So it would not be uncommon to be like 12 wings, jerk, ranch. And so we would say that out loud, and when we said jerk ranch, that, like there, there was a whole series of jokes that went with okay. just the different abbreviations on, on the lines. And so the jerk ranch joke was when we would see a ticket come up where the sauce was jerk and the dressing was ranch, we'd be like, welcome oh, to the jerk ranch. Oh, hell broke loose. Yeah, and so the, the premise was it was a ranch like that you could go on vacation to to right, have like a... Jerks. Yeah, yeah. Well, to have like a city slickers like experience, but everybody on the ranch was a jerk and they were jerks. Like, they weren't just jerks, they were like 11 year old jerks. Yeah, they're all, it was all a bunch of like angsty 12 year olds. <laughs> and then, like, it would always allude to like some sort of like deep seated trauma. Like it would be like, be like, welcome to the jerk ranch. We shoot horses with spitballs all day long. And they would be like, my mom got a new boyfriend. His name's Jimmy, and they go on vacations without me. <laughs> my mom always picks me up late from Taekwondo or something. <laughs> welcome to the jerk ranch. Oh, no, man. Welcome to the Jerk Ranch. My mom and her new boyfriend go to KFC and eat it right in front of me without giving me any. My mom's an itchy maxer. Like it's just, or like it just, and it would just be literally us just back and forth, just having this like, and then it developed into like what type of car the mom drove. (laughs) Nobody on the bus will talk to me. Welcome to the Jerk Ranch. Yeah, Yeah, that was a. I have cut off flannel vests as my main form of clothes. But (laughs) I, I imagined everybody on the Jerk Ranch looked like. Randy what? from Pee Wee's Playhouse. I always thought they looked like uh, what's the Scott from uh, A Christmas Story? What's his name? <laughs> Dude, <laughs> same thing. Yeah, the guy just like. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it was, oh my god! <laughs> I think one was it's like my parents fight over who gets me for Christmas because neither of them want me or something like that. 
my dad my dad bought me a Nintendo this year, but he only did it because my mom didn't want me to have one. He bought me an Xbox for the second year in a row. <laughs> Just to piss my mom off. Yeah. Oh my god, it got so bad. And it's like honestly, if I you try to it's one of those jokes where you try to explain it and it's like the people are like, That's horrible and you're like, Right? Dude, oh, that's no. the that's the worst part. That's the worst part of when you can't do normal band stuff anymore. Is it's yeah. like you've got all these inside jokes that literally nobody gets except the guys that you go on tour with. So we had do this thing. It's kind of I, that we just like to make up fake, ridiculous names and say them in southern accents. <laughs> <laughs> like we'll just be like, like, my name is Bartholomew Buttertrump or something like that. <laughs> like, and we'll just say, like, my name is. Chutherford, Chutherford, Esquire, or something. And we'll just <laughs> literally just say these things back and forth. And we, and we, um, one time I think we got to New Orleans, and we were in the we were in the bus for like hours. Like it was just so, one of those trips where like it never ends. And we get out, and we are so just jacked to be out of the bus. We at one point are running around our friend's apartment in circles, playing catch with each other, just saying ridiculous names. So, and our friends have no idea what's going on. They're like, they're like, oh, our friends, they're probably going to be tired. And then and I'm like, I've heard his butt tramp, like running and like throwing things at me. Right, 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 dude. But and yeah. like, there was, there was like, I like look at pictures of us when we were younger, and. I think about the jokes that were going on then, and at the time we were like, "Man, people just wish they were as fucking funny and like close and no, and no. goofy as we are." And then I look back and I'm like, "People probably thought we were yeah, completely they obnoxious. They probably thought that we were like alienating because all we talked about was inside jokes and just like made fun of everyone everywhere that we went." And it's like, "Huh." I wonder why we don't have so many friends from back in those days. You're like, oh, yeah. I mean, I think in some ways you just develop a weird language when you're in a band that, like, you can just say, like, I can't even, like, I can't think of any, but I know if we were all in the room right now, we would all say something that just didn't make sense. But all of us would be, like, cracking up. We're like, this is comedy gold. Like, it's... Right. Well, and I've had other bands stay at my place, and they've got inside jokes, and I'm like... Okay, this is great and all, guys, but uh, I, I can't relate to you on any of these jokes. I have zero context. I haven't been living in a small box with you for the last month. Can we yeah. talk about anything else? Yeah, it gets me. It gets this weird point when you're on the road that like you can't you like feel weird. Be like if I'm out, like I'd go out. Let's say to go out to dinner with friends in the in like in the city we're in, and it's just me and people I haven't been on tour with for six weeks or something. Right. And it's like almost like I. It's like I have to. I'm like consciously like I have to be on my best behavior right now, like because I right. can't. Like, I have to like think about what I say. Yeah, you become then, feral. Like, you become feral. You, know, you do, and I mean, it's funny. I yeah, it's. I do miss that about Tori. Like I miss. I think I'd miss like. The middle, if we did like a, a six or eight week tour, I missed the middle like four or five weeks. Right. I mean, that's a long, that's a long time to be on tour. And what we, go ahead. No, you keep going. You go. You go. So what, what we would describe it as at the time is we would talk about it as being the opposite of going to prison. 
Like, like basically, it, it, you don't get institutionalized. You get disinstitutionalized. Way to put it. To where it's like you go when you're touring, when you're out on the road with your friends doing stuff for a long period of time. The only thing that matters is the mission, like and, well, and hanging same, out. And also every day, it's like you get this routine where it's like you wake up, you drive to a new place, you right. go play a show. You fall asleep way too late. You wake up way too early again. And you just like, it, that's your life. Well, there's also you know? a different type of currency. You know what I mean? You don't need to have a job and you don't need to have as much money because, you know, there's things that are built into the production budget. If you're yeah. in, in on tour in like in Europe, you know, your food is there when you show up and, and your transportation is taken care of and your place to sleep is taken care of. When you're on tour on a, just an independent tour, you're sleeping on people's floors every night and, and people tend to take your art as a form of currency and you get access to things that money can't buy. And then you come back to the real world and it's like your money's no good there. Like you basically got the currency of a foreign country in your pocket and you can't fucking spend it anywhere. It's like being a millionaire in Indonesia and then coming over here. You know what I mean? That's very, I mean, that's so true. I've never thought of it like that, but it's true. Cause it is like, I mean, it is funny. Like the, the things you can get away with because you're in a band, like you're in the band. You know what I mean? Right. That's that's that probably won't that said it as well. But the uh... well, no, I mean, but you can't. You can. People can get away with being, uh, like if I you. Mean, not, it, I mean, but things that are give, things that are provided, or pe the way people help you because you're in the band. You know what I mean? Like, right? They would if you were just a guy at the show and you're like, can I sleep like? For instance, we were in Lansing, Michigan, and our and our but we played a show in Lansing. We were supposed to play in Ferndale the next night, and our school bus broke down. Just absolutely, the transmission blew out. Ferndale sounds like a made up ass name, by the way. <laughs> it sounds like what Fern Gully like ended yes. up becoming. Yeah, it's a, Fern Gully was super hipster. If but, no, uh, if 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 Fern Gully was like in in Georgia, welcome to Ferndale. It's Ferndale, Georgia. I can't even think of if that's the name of the place now. It's in a. Uh, it's outside of. Detroit. You're just uh, now. Now you're just gaslighting me. This place doesn't exist. But, uh, <laughs> uh, we Made were up to, name, we were motherfucker. Fucking somewhere, and uh, but it broke down, and, and our this guy like the night before he let us. He was like came to the show. We like can we stay at your house? Like fuck yeah, man. And then like he uh, and then so our bus broke down. And we were just stuck there for like five days. Yeah. And he just let us stay with him. Yeah, we've had we've had that happen before too, where we just ended up stuck at someone's house for like almost a week, and they, you know, they're they're cool with it. Whereas if you were just some random dude that drifted into town and met yeah. someone at the show and you stayed at their house for five days, they would call the cops. Yeah, they'd be like, "You are a terrible person." They'd be like, like, "Get the fuck out of here!" You like. <laughs> You're like in their fridge, like you're out of cheese. They're like, leave my fucking house. <laughs> Dude, there was uh, one of the things I used to say. It's like, it's like you're like a homeless guy that gets laid. That's that's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like just, you're a home. I'm you're like, like a homeless like, guy I'm that people have sex with once in a while. Oh my god! Except I would contend that. Uh, homeless guys probably have more sex than traveling musicians. I would I would actually submit that to you, because that is, that is fucked up to think about. I don't want like 
Especially, I'm just thinking about Ted, that Ted City downtown Denver. It's just a. Oh, it's a fuck it's fest, a, dude. I guarantee true. it. I guarantee it because um, there's not much else to do. And like the dating pool is like, it's probably like, listen, there's only so many of us. Yeah. You're obviously not going to go meet someone somewhere. We're like, probably yeah, not going to date outside of our community. You know, there's really like they, they like they probably just like look out for each other and they have sex like an isolated tribe in the Amazon somewhere where it's like they have tribal relationships where like everybody just mates with each other and then they all take care of the offspring. That is by far the weirdest thing I've thought about in a long time. <laughs> I like I'm actively like not trying to think about that right now. Like I'm actively like as you're describing it, I'm like baseball, baseball, baseball. <laughs> like, Hey, speaking of baseball, the yeah. Tent City is right by the baseball stadium, and I'll bet. Yeah, okay. <laughs> they yeah, call I mean, it a I'll... soup kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks oh for the fuck, Shaq. Dirty Mike and the boys. We will have sex in your car again. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey man, you're you've got a hard out in five no, I'm minutes. Good. I'm good actually. You're good actually. Oh, the text. Yeah, I'm good. Oh, cool. I thought, yeah, that's cool. We got a little more time. So then, well, then what I want to ask you about is you talked a little bit about how you guys were able to get some work done before the pandemic. We did, too. We actually were in the studio and playing shows literally as COVID-19. You were were bouncing around like crazy. I remember that. You were, like, recording and doing shows. You were out in California, too, right? Well, yeah, I went out and did a couple shows in California with Monolith and then... Um, and then we were here and we were basically in the studio all day and playing shows all night and, um, and, and, you know, had a nice busy week right before, like while that was a couple weeks while before that was going on, uh, I went to try and order some enamel pins from our pin company and they said, we're unable to get their supplies are delayed because of uh coronavirus outbreak over in China. And I'm like, what's coronavirus, you know? So, you really yeah, yeah. And so, um, hold on. Oops. What? Sorry. I went on, I went onto the intro screen for a second. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but so we were able, we were able to get a ton done in the studio. Now you mentioned that you guys had managed to kind of, you know, you managed to get your Kickstarter in. Another thing I want to ask you about. Um, but you guys had managed to get a lot of work done in the studio before everything shut down. What is your release plan? And are you going to try and put an album out in the current climate? Tell me a little bit about that. Uh, so the plan right now is uh, when it comes to the release, we're still working on like when we want to do it. Because originally it was going to be September and th- it just... Obviously, things are just kicked down the road because we want it. Like we were trying to produce it on vinyl too. Um, I think the biggest thing right now is we need to figure out what the album is. You know, like it's um, like we don't we don't have a solidified tr- like track list yet. We don't have our album art because we just still need to figure out like what we're trying to do because we have a lot of so uh, to fill it in more. We have four. Everyone in the band sings and writes songs except me. Uh, <laughs> I am 
literally useless. But the uh, you fucking freeloader. Oh, are they? If they're listening right now, you just got like a round of applause. But uh, <laughs> uh, they're like, yeah, fuck that. But um, no. So it's four different perspectives on li- like just four different writers. So we are we need to figure out like, do we want to try to do like equal representation from everyone is that one way we're going to do it or is it going to be just like whatever songs we think are the best or like talk to our producer and our engineer and see what they think and so with that with all that going on um it'll probably be a like a full album released um with a full campaign behind it and everything it's sometime like mid like mid fall probably um but again as you know, not, like nothing is promised anymore. So, right. I think so. We're doing that, and you know, originally it's just we have to think about how we release it now because we can't like tour in support of it really. So we have to figure out ways to promote it, to promote ourselves with it, to engage a current audience and a new audience, and and I think that's a big conversation we're having is like in what we were talking about before, like what does it mean to be a band right now. Right. And that kind of, it's this whole whirlwind of a like identity crisis that, in a way, it's like a fun challenge because there's no wrong answer. I mean, there's definitely wrong outcomes and wrong things to do, but there's no like, everyone kind of has a shot at doing their own thing. And luckily, we're lucky enough to have amazing people around us who are super talented. Uh, Homefield Productions are people who we work with a lot with the filming. And so they're helping us with some video ideas. We have Silo Studios uh, down in South Denver is where we record the album. Great so studio. Have, oh, it's, I mean, it, I think it was Westward called it like the Abbey Road of Denver or something. And there's, I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, they, do, they do really great work. And they, yes. they kind of specialize in, in uh, obtaining um, classic sounds. Yeah, I mean, like, it's all kind of vintage feel. But you feel like it, not like not old. Not, nothing's like old or broken. It's just like this classic sound to it. Right. And like we worked with Tim uh, from Railroad Earth, and he was a huge help too. So we've been lucky enough to be surrounded by like a, a good community of people willing to help us. So I think we have some good stuff in the work. But it's just um, it's a strange time, you know. Like we don't we don't know what it means. It's what the future holds, and all we can do is play with what we know now. And just keep trucking like it's everything's gonna be kind of like this for a while. There, there's so. a sense, there's a sense of like, on one hand, you're like I'm going. May, maybe we should put nothing out because we can't tour on it, and there's so much competing for people's attention, even more so than before, because everybody's glued to their phones. You know what I mean? So like, there's a greater like there's a greater body of viewers, but there's this like immense, unprecedented body of content creators because basically everyone well, like a, is a content channel right now. It's so, kind of like when people talk about being like in a, a like studying guitar at Berkeley. You're just in a sea of I think they say it's like a sea of mediocrity, but I'm not saying people are mediocre. But it's just just a sea of people right now trying to. Well, mediocrity yeah. in the true sense. Mediocrity in, like, the median. Yeah, you, there's like, just so many, like... I mean, it's, you know, how many bands are there out there and how many people are, like... Live streaming I mean, like, and think, like, 
trying to do trying to do content like I have definitely seen changes in the viewership of this podcast simply because there is so fucking much online right remember, now. Do you remember how, in April like how many live streams there were? Like oh yeah. There was a million and like I think it's crazy. It's an, and that's and that's the thing like I'm not saying live streams are bad. It's the you have to figure out your what what makes yours stand out. Right. You so know, like, and that's but, kind of what you're talking about is like this idea of like what does it mean to be a band right now? And so like I guess to finish the point what I was saying is like on one hand it's like you there's this thought of like maybe we shouldn't create anything because we'll get lost in the shuffle and then it's, either, it's like a guarantee you'll get lost if you don't do anything and a chance if you right. try to do it that you, that you might come out and be some sort of innovator and do something that really catches people like we're still working on you know the comic and our music videos like i've got an animated music video in the works and you know we've got all this back cataloged music that we're going to release at the same time you know and and i can't say this empirically but anecdotally speaking again it appears as though um really everyone is just kind of watching coronavirus everybody is watching the civil unrest in its varying degrees um you know there's these massive stories that are just capturing the planet's attention and i just don't know if it's the right ground for an album to get noticed like i feel like like people are still watching tv shows but I don't think people are really retaining and giving a shit as much about movies and television shows and music because they're tr either transfixed on what's... It's very passive, their attention to it. Right, right, because yeah. everybody's attention is consumed by these fucking, like, mammoth stories that are going on on the planet. And it's not like it's a bad thing to pay attention to that stuff. You know, it's like... I mean, no, I mean, it's important to pay attention to. We've got to pay yeah. attention to it. That's why I'm saying it's like, it's almost like maybe we should just take the bench for a while. You know what I mean? I mean, I definitely like, I kind of use the time to, I, I kind of took that for in like a personal sense where I was like, again, granted, I don't write songs. I don't sing. It's pretty easy for me to take the fucking bench. But, um, right, right, right. Uh you're already right. sitting down. Yeah, I know. I just moved my stool back. But, uh, <laughs> just like, almost sitting there, China. But, uh, the, um, but like, I did, I mean, I did that, like, personally. Like, I took a lot of time for myself and was like, all right, if I'm not doing music, I'm going to take advantage of this time to get in good shape and focus on my health and focus on my mental health and everything like that. You do and, look, you do look really good. I should point out, like, seeing you around the restaurant, like, you look very healthy. Yeah, you know? I don't work there. <laughs> no, well, um, dude, and I, yeah, because I don't work there. Well, dude. It's like, I was, I kind of, like, I'd re like, I've taken, like, my my drinking has gone down a lot, and I recently, like, kind of made the decision to really put an effort into not doing it anymore. Because um, I woke up one day, and I was like, this is just not 
sustainable. But the uh, and like you know, were you drinking you know, more in the beginning of the pandemic? Oh yeah, like it was. I mean, totally. So you're yeah. you're among the group of people who like who when the pandemic started the the like drinking really ramped up and then you saw it ramp up that far and and you've kind of dialed it back so it came in like waves where i'd like it hit i did it i was i mean i lived 90 feet from a liquor store when i when this all hit <laughs> crawling distance literally crawl like 100 so like i mean i was doing a lot and then i was like this is that i had some like a kind of a coming to jesus moment and i was like this is not good stopped started focusing on my health um, was running a lot, eating healthy, started drinking again a little bit, nothing crazy. And then like some events in, that had happened in both our lives um, kind of happened. And then I started uh, drinking a lot more because of that. And it was like then this realization of like, all right, obviously this isn't working. Like, are, you talk, isn't, are you talking about the friend that we lost? Yeah. So like yeah. that was, and it was like, so you're. Shout out so, to Sophia Zanjani, yeah. man. Yeah, man. She was the fucking best. Yeah, she but was it was like, bad. I mean, it was honestly like what happened to her and then like drinking a lot around it and like my emotions with it. I was like, this is just, and I, so I kind of really made the choice. I was like, I, I don't think it's forever, but it's like, I need to stop and like take account of myself and focus on, like, I think that's the lesson that in a, in a Saturday she taught me was like, I got to really focus on myself and make sure I'm in a good place because that won't help. Like they doing the stuff I want, like drinking and that will like help. And it's, right. It only makes things worse. Unfortunately, yeah. it seems it, it always. And that was the thing is. And I observed this when I was when I was a bartender more is, you know, you see people who they drink when a tragedy occurs, but it's almost like I called it the golden ticket phenomenon, which is where a tragedy occurs and people feel like they've got this golden ticket to annihilate themselves because annihilating ourselves allows us to act irrationally. Like if you were experience, if you're experiencing extreme emotional pain, like if you're experiencing extreme grief, there is a certain point where people go, okay, dial it back a bit like they don't say that out loud and they might approach it gingerly but there's almost this expectation that as a sober rational adult there is a cap to certain expressions of emotion like a sober adult punching a hole in the drywall because of extreme anger is not acceptable behavior but it is but when you're drunk it's fine and so i was definitely doing that i was like i would drink to give myself an excuse to like I would knowingly want to do stuff and be like, that's not a good idea. And I was like, but if I had whiskey. Like- right, exactly. We have these injunctions against our own shadow. Yeah. You know, the shadows yeah, I mean, of our nature. And that's, you know, and it's not like I'm, I mean, you know, I don't want to sound glorify myself because it's only been like, hasn't been that long, but and it's, you know, but it's. Um, but it's you're a having a th- you're having the thought and you probably hadn't given that thought a lot of attention before and now things oh, are a lot I, more quiet so you have more time to kind of sit with yeah, what your and brain and your body are trying to tell you and it's one of those things where like if you're it's like if you if you're playing music and partying it's like oh this guy's a rock star like he's crazy and if you're 
just a dude who drinks a lot. It's like, that guy's a drunk. (laughs) Right, dude, I totally had this identity built up in my mind, and I've been able to trace it back and, like, find the roots of this identity I tried to build for myself as, like, this... This crazy maniac train wreck rock and roller dude and and like And you wanna be and you like wanna it's honestly like you wanna be fucked like a fucked up person kind of. Like I've like I so I did I'm like just talking to someone about it right now and it's I'm in the same thing where they're like at some point I it's like I don't know the exact like day, but like I remember like I'm like kind of realizing at one point I decided like I wanna be this person or like it was a a shield for me to just be like, oh, if I just was the party guy, then I'm safe. You know, like, it's not me right. doing it. It's a separate... There's an interesting up. phenomenon, too, that occurs. And I don't know what your background is like, but I assume it's kind of similar to mine, which is, you know, middle, some might even say upper middle class, white, suburban kid from a good family with loving parents yeah and that could not be more boring in terms of an identity at least in the mind of an adolescent boy you like want trouble right so you want you want people to think you're a badass did you have have friends that your parents hated you know I have to give my parents credit not hated but they were just like I'd rather there was a few. There yeah. was a. I mean, there was a few. There was one friend that my dad singled out, and you know, at the time, like I can understand where he was coming from, but that particular friend probably wasn't the most of his. Probably ought not have been the most of his worries, um, and my mom has maybe made a comment one or two times. But for the most part, my parents have been very warm, kind, accepting people where my friend group's concerned. My dad, honestly, is was, for the most part, pretty uh, ambivalent and, um, like, in the dark as far as my friend group went. I mean, my two lifelong best friends, he didn't know, like who had which name, like they were brothers, Logan and Marshall, he wrong named them until we were teenagers and they've been my friends since I was like before I have memories. So my dad, like, my dad was just kind of like, you know, completely ambivalent to what was going on in my life. But, but there's, I guess what the point is, is there was like this time where it was like I really wanted to establish myself in some way and establish some kind of identity and there's this point when we're adolescents where we are trying to show the world who we are and you know I was kind of a weird, sensitive goofy, loud, hyperactive kid from a white upper middle class suburban family and somehow I got the idea that 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 wasn't cool or that wasn't good enough or that I was lacking in some way. And so over time, you know, I began to develop this persona and drugs and alcohol were just part of it. And it became such a part of it that I forgot that that was something that I started doing to be included and accepted and become part of this subculture that I thought was so fucking cool. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. 
and it's not like I'm. That's what I say. I'm not trying to make it sound like I was like I went to the devil's doorstep. Like I was, I wasn't crazy. I was just I, you know, I think it just you just need to at some points you need to like check yourself. Well, you I'm know? a big I'm a big fan. Look, I'm, I think rock bottom narratives are great. I think they're super valuable. I think people hearing them like it it can help people make great choices. I think they're very compelling stories. I even think they're romantic in some ways, but. I am also a huge fan of the idea of harm reduction and being able to have the self-awareness to go, I'm doing myself harm. I need to make some subtle corrections here and there in order to for my life to function at an optimal level. Like it doesn't always have to be this dramatic, cataclysmic, you know, Phoenician epic tale. Phoenician like as in of the Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I thought you were referring to the I don't know. but uh, the, people uh, from Phoenix yeah, or yeah, the people. Phoenicians. I think I mean one thing that's weird for me now is like I've been since I've been re- like really it's like the last ten ten days have been like dude I'm really focusing in on it and it's the funniest thing is like I'm get it's like I'm doing what people who haven't played music or like live a normal life like what they think is normal for me is like fucking a bananas like I was like I've been waking up at like 7 a.m. and going on a run and then making myself a smoothie and I'm like this is wild like it's like this is like the, the people that you see in the park this is what they do every day and like but to yeah. our community that's like dude I don't know he's really losing it man he's like yeah. exercising and getting eight hours of sleep a night I mean what the fuck is up with this no, dude it's like it's like 9 30 and I'm like oh, I'm tired I'm like this is sick <laughs> like uh, it's it's funny that like I said I mean I moved out of college I, I left college not left I graduated college and then like was playing music working in restaurants doing this I've never like done the nine to five kind of life so it's been interesting this quarantine like I've had kind of a nine to five job working on bikes right. and then like coming home and like getting tired at like eight and just being like oh I'm gonna go to bed like it's it's kind of crazy it's been really nice I'm dude. I'm kind of into it. I got to tell you, I'm kind of into it. Like, going to bed at 11 is like fucking partying for me. You know what I mean? And it's like, I just realize how dysfunctional my life has been at certain points. Where it's like hanging around with a bunch of other people who are struggling with substance abuse of some sort just like like just chain smoking cigarettes and and drinking beer and shot after shot and and doing mysterious white powder that i bought from a total stranger in a dirty disease written bathroom like that at one point seemed like this very cool idea and like i'm living on the fringes man i'm living outside of society and like now i look at that and i'm like man i really like getting eight hours of sleep a night and I really like getting up early and taking my kid for a bike ride and I really like you know I really like honing my craft rather than like like playing music to like purge the demons it's like I really isn't like it weird ho- to like at that isn't it weird that positive things are coming out of this like I was thinking about that earlier where I was like oh yeah was, like I'm like sitting there I'm like man like I'm in shape I'm, I'm like focusing on my mental health I'm becoming the best version of myself 
um, and like righting wrongs or something like that. And then I'm just like, and then I think about like, oh, there's people in the ho- like. It's a weird thing that there's positives. And I mean, something my dad always says like, you got to find the silver lining in the cloud. And I, I am, but it's this weird thing where you're like, I'm good. I like as of now, I'm coming out of this like I'm coming up aces, baby. Like, well, dude, they're all like, there's this, there's this idea that we have in our brain of the game, like. Uh, Alan Watts talks about it. Are you familiar with Alan Watts at all? Yeah. 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 He, he would talk about the game of black and white, which is like we have this idea in our head of this game of black and white where there's good things and bad things and good must win. You know, white must win was, you know, the way he would talk about it. You know, <laughs> you you want to you want to avoid as much darkness as possible, and and experience as much light as possible, and you know what he talked about is in in a lot of the Eastern philosophies it was, you know it wasn't it wasn't separate it goes with, you know he, I, I always say I always say you can't have peaks without valleys. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and, and that man I always say. You can't man, have peaks I'll, without ballast. I'll, I'll tell you, man. My dad used to tell me, you can't start a car without gas, but you can't get a gas without a car. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I was um, very uh, angry when you uh, borrowed my orbital sander without my permission. Let's and in the guys. future... Uh, I would appreciate if you would not take it off the job site uh, and that also you and the guys wouldn't hurt my feelings by uh, uh, by laughing at the bumper sticker on my car uh, about my son becoming an Eagle Scout. I'm super proud of him. Yeah, he built built a staircase at the library. (laughs) (laughs) What'd your son do, Cyrus? That's right. That's right. Yeah, nothing wrong. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I I get it if you guys <laughs> go to the Elks Club, but I would really appreciate uh, 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 an invite on a uh, bingo night. My you feelings were um, very hurt. So if anyone's when... tuning in right now, it's a it's a bit we do. It's called emotional training at a Dewalt factory. Yeah, 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 yeah. Emotional sensitivity training yeah. at a Dewalt factory. Yeah, that's another that's another bit, another inside yeah, joke that, that will not be funny to anyone else. Your food was ever laid at fire while we were both there. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> that's why cracking jokes. Yeah. No, but it, it's so this idea of like, you know, black goes with white, good goes with bad, you know, darkness goes yep. with light. It's like you look at something like some of the 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 most tragic events. Like, let's just give a, as a parallel example, let's get, you know, talk about the bubonic plague. You know, were it not for the bubonic plague, we might not have seen the end of feudalism for a certain, you know, for much longer than, I mean, I think eventually it would have gone away. But because so many people got killed and because feudal society collapsed, People that worked the lands for those lords, like people who were serfs, like went on and started new settlements and began figuring out different ways to 
to survive in the world. They they became less dependent, like they weren't able to depend on their lords and masters, and so they went on and did other things, and it and it led to the development of yeah. of our society. I, I think it's it's a thing, like at least the way I think about it is like you know we're in a situation right now where. First and foremost, you got to focus on your health, focus on the community health, make sure you're being safe so that everyone else is being safe, you know? Right. And then you, we have this chance of like the world's kind of on pause or like life as we know it is not continuing right now. Right. And so like we're in, it's, a, it's a chance to focus on your, like, you could come at my dad, I, something my dad was always talking to me about. And I, he's like, this is a chance to come out of this be, like better. Or like come out of this like stronger in some way. Like you don't you want to be the person who like focused on your craft, like you were talking about, or like focused on your like take this time to come back to the world when we get back to it as a better form of yourself. Right. Whatever. How are you going to make yourself proud when we come out of this? Yeah. You know what I mean. So I so tell me tell me. I Let's answer that to, question. How are you going to make yourself proud? Oh no, keep going, keep going. I Sorry. Say, I definitely tried the crushing PBRs method, and that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but no, I mean, it's just, and it's a, and I don't want to come off high and mighty because I'm not at all. I'm not, a, you know, I'm just a dude trying to not be fat and like get good night's sleep. But like, uh, you know, you just, for me, it's like, I would just want to be healthy mentally, healthy physically, develop good habits. And I mean, really, this is like the last two or three weeks is when this has really been hitting hard for me. So like the, Really, fo- like, really realizing that, like, you know, take a pause, like, reset my life on out, like, reset the drinking thing. Or, uh, right. Focus on eating healthy. Learn how to eat. Learn how to cook. Like, I've always wanted to be better uh, at cooking and do stuff like that. And just kind of almost like it's not like a vision board, but like, do mentally think about who you want to be because we all kind of have that that image of like the avatar, yeah. And like, how do you get to that person? And the person I always saw was outdoorsy and uh, in good shape, and like rode, like biked way more than I did because I always grew up biking, and I just didn't really do that. And um, so I've been focusing on that. Just kind of, it's like the um, a joke I always say is like when people say they're into trying new things, it's rarely like heat yoga. It's usually like things that'll hurt you more. (laughs) Like, so I'm doing the like just focusing on what makes me happy, healthy, and like, you know, taking a look at yourself too. Like, um, you know, meditating more, like figuring out if you've like, what habits you have that are bad, what habits you have are good. Um, And this is all before lunch, by the way. This is all you should be doing this before lunch. Figure this all out. And then- (laughs) Right. There's there's uh, this, um, you know, when you talk about, uh, you, you know, Abraham Maslow was, He's the one who gave us uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Um, he would talk about in every moment we're either moving forward one percent toward you know plus one towards growth or minus one into safety and comfort, and in a time when there is almost no safety and comfort. <laughs> You know, yeah. it's like all you can do, like it's kind of forced us, I think, to go, okay, am I going to get 
steamrolled by the world right now? Am I going to get steamrolled by reality or am I going to figure out a way to take this feeling of helplessness and use it to drive me to evolving at a rate I might have previously thought impossible? Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, that's the thing is like, you have to, one thing I've been thinking about recently is like, what would I, like, looking at my gut instinct in things, like my gut, what I, what I like, the, my first instinct to do in a situation. And I'll like kind of consciously be like, all right, so I've done that before. How's the outcome? <laughs> like, you know, like, dude, totally. And I think like with, you know, anxiety and, you know, self consciousness and stuff like that, that's a big, uh, that's a big part of it where you're like, all right, so I've done, I've gone with that mental like self-talk didn't work out. So maybe I should like ignore it this time or, right. you know, it's, I love it, that it's hat. Like, I love that it is affecting everyone, you know, by varying degrees, you know, yeah. and that's a whole different discussion. Um, as far as, you know, the people, there are certainly people who are more insulated than others, but we're all being affected by this by a matter of degree. And when I say this, I mean everything that is going on on the planet right now. And we're all super aware of it. So this, I think that there is less of the concern with maintaining the status quo because we have less to lose because society has fallen apart to a degree. I mean, we're not going to come back to the, I, I mean, I, I think it's, it, I used to think this was like kind of a overdramatic thing to say, but I don't think we're going to come back to the world as we knew it. No, absolutely not. Like we've, and like, I, and like it's going to be a different world. So we got to be different people. There's going to be things that I am not even aware of yet that my son will never know. You know what I mean? There's just going to be certain cultural mores that changed in a very short amount of time in the first couple years of his life. And we'll have to be like, oh, yeah, back before you were born, it was like this. And there's many of those things that we can't even begin to conceive of because we haven't we can't see into the future and we can't. You know, we'll be looking back over like 20 years from now. We're going to look back and be like, remember the world, how much the world changed? Well, it's like, think about like before and after the internet. Right. Like, think of how insane that, like, I don't know the world before the internet. Touring with roadmaps. That was a thing. I would have quit by this point, I think. Like, (laughs) could you imagine? Like, I can't. Booking tours with telephones. I couldn't even imagine the arguments. Like, because it would become this thing of like, you don't think I can read a fucking map? I can. You can read a map, dude. But I'm just saying, this is an access. I know that's an access. Like, I'm already playing it out in my head. We would right, right, right. We would have, it would have been like the quickest like two day tour. Like, that's it. I'm out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We had, we had a guy in our band for a while. Shout out to Tay Hamilton, friend of the show, friend for life. Uh, he used to be very insistent on road maps and very mistrusting of technology and I'm glad we had him because there were times when technology didn't work you know what I mean you're in the middle of nowhere and you like all you have is a mild marker and no cell you know a mile marker and no cell signal and you've got one guy in the band who knows how to work a map you know what I mean 
and get you out of there. Like it was it, like looking back on it, we gave him a lot of shit, but you know, if everything collapses, if 5G destroys communications and we can no longer talk to each other and GPS stops working, and by the way, GPS is a myth. I don't know if you know that. Yeah. It's called George Soros. No, but <laughs> Dude, I think the Bill Gates vaccine thing is the funniest thing in the world because people are like, they're putting a chip to track you. And I was like, you know you're posting information about this on a phone, right? With a like, chip in like, it. Yeah, it's like they've already, like, why would, that's so You've already got a chip. You're already yeah, a like, cyborg, I, man. Yeah, it's like, why, no, but it's like, why would, they, they're like, they're going to put a chip in you so they can track you. And it's like, dude, that's like so antiquated right now. They're like, dog, they already won. Like, dude, they, everybody knows where you are and they don't care. Yeah. All they care is that you buy stuff. Exactly. All they care is that they're 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 reaching you with their ads. <laughs> like I'm sure <laughs> they don't care phone, where you like, go. I'm sure my phone's been listening to this whole conversation. I'm about to have so many ads for weird things. Hey, you know what, dude? There's a part of me that loves it because my phone always tells me all the stuff that I need. Like it's like, oh my god, I was just thinking I needed that. that How'd you true, know man. that phone? Yeah. That is true. It is nice sometimes. Like, I like technology. I'm not, like, anti-technology. I think it's I neat. Like, I just don't like it when unscrupulous people uh, yield it in a malevolent fashion. I just think I'm in, two, I'm like in such a mindset of, like, what's good for me, what's bad for me? And it's like, right. almost like I'm putting things into two categories where, like, I'll be on Instagram for, like, an hour and I'll just, like, throw my phone to God. Like, this is bad! <laughs> I, I mean, dude, I, I got to be honest with you. Like, I think... Social media in its current form, in its current form, I think is is incredibly insidious. I think it's great that we, like, I don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater and tear it all down, but I think social media needs to be restructured um, just because of the way that it, um, the way that discourse occurs you know, the way the algorithms work, the way that it monetizes outrage and people's emotions and um, is designed. Well, it's an to, echo chamber, too. Well, and it rewards people for being disingenuous. Like, because you're basically going on and you're trying to get a dopamine hit in the form of likes and comments and retweets and and views and whatever else the currency is for the platform and so it will cause people to sloganize very complicated matters so that they can be a part of the group so that they can get that dopamine hit like people will say things because Either it it scratches that itch on a neurological level or, you know, because it helps their career in some level or it helps their social standing on some level. And I don't think that that is a healthy way to um, to conduct discourse. Um, well, and, it, and it's just bad for your brain, like blowing up your brain with fight-or-flight response all day cannot be good for you. Yeah. You, you know, know, maybe I'll eat my words in 20 years and they'll be like, you know, 
human beings advanced in you know at, by at an exponential rate because of the advent of Facebook, but I I sincerely doubt it. My sense is that in its current it form. Developed. Go ahead. I, I think it. I think you develop, but it's like. I read a book a long time ago, and I, I didn't finish it. But the uh, <laughs> I read a book once. Yeah, I read the I read the what's the, what's the Dimitri Martin joke? Read the about the author of an autobiography. But the um, <laughs> but it was talking about how like your like children's brains. So like your generation who didn't well, I guess did you grow up? Like, you, no, you didn't really grow, like grow up with like video games or like that. So like you, a lot of your time you would watch TV or just taking in information, you know. But right. now kids are growing up manipulating and creating and puzzle solving. And so it's like our, our brains are – and again, I didn't study science. And then I did. It was bad. So I don't know everything about it. But it's like our brain – we do develop differently as like problem solvers. And our mind – it's – so, I mean, technology is helpful in that way because it's preparing you for the world to come where it's only going to get more and more involved in our life. But like sometimes – I mean, I, you've mentioned it before and everything. My going to Alaska thoughts. I'm like, man, if I could just – Find a cabin oh, oh, in Alaska. Oh, my God, dude. I've almost totally forgot. Uh, I should have included this in your introduction. Tyler Gwynn is the one who coined the phrase Alaska thoughts. For those of yeah. you who've been following the podcast for the last couple of years, Alaska thoughts is a term we throw around on this show almost on a weekly basis. Like, we throw really? that... Oh, dude. we. I have friends... Dude, Tyler, I totally forgot... Dude, I have friends who have legitimately hit me up privately and said, hey, man, the, the Alaska thoughts have been getting me lately. I've been, you know, really struggling and the hearing you guys talk about on the podcast really helps me out. Like it is because it is it is in the vernacular. It is in the lexicon of uh, MF podcast listeners. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Tyler Gwynn, you created the term Alaska thoughts. I think about it all the time. Like I same. I always say it's like, what's your backup plan? Like I'm gonna go be a bartender in Kodiak, Alaska. It's like it just like, just this idea of like, when you're in. And I think I was kind of in a place like that for a little, where you're like, especially. I mean, granted, it's quarantine. So it's like this weird time. So it's not like, it's just the world was crazy. But you're just sitting there like, man, if I just, I bet I could like, just dis like just go run away from it all or go live I got Alaska is the best place to do that and I, think I will about- say this it has become the situation we're in right now has in a lot of ways been a trial run of playing the Alaska thoughts out it's like oh I've always wondered what would happen if I just disconnected from everything and these part of my identity just ceased to exist and I unplugged from society and well it's and, all based off of a have you ever heard of a guy Dick Prenicky no so this guy Dick Prenicky by the way the best documentary you could ever watch on PBS it's this guy and he shot it all in Super 8 film but it's him moving to Alaska and building a cabin from scratch oh cool in the 60s the first thing I, and, from, and I mean from scratch the first thing he does is carve the handles for his tools. Holy shit. And he like falls tree, fails trees or whatever the right term is. So and that's like, where you makes, got the idea for the Alaska the thoughts. You're like, maybe if I just like disconnected from society or like you just stop being into being in society. Yeah. And that's like the that's idea. Really cool. It's like, but then it developed into this like 
It's like, yeah, I'm just going to go find the saddest town in Alaska and be a bartender. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it started – it became this thing where, like, the thoughts that you get when you're, like, really sad. But yeah. one thing that has changed is there's also this element of, like, empowerment in a way now because of the current situation. It's like, wow, I have, I'm not going to be able to play a show for a while. I'm not going to be able to do anything with my bandmates. I can't even go to a concert. I, you know, I don't even really want to go to a restaurant this like, is literally like I had this. I've so I mean in a in a, an Alaska thought. It's so I've never I haven't said that term in so long, and now I've said it like eighteen times in two minutes. But like, right. um, I've always had this thought where it was like, ah, if I could just live in a cabin for two months, never see anyone, and just focus on myself. And I was like, kind of, th- and it sounds like a ridiculous, but like I think like that. And then like kind of a month into quarantine, I was like. I think I'm in that cabin now. Like, I Dude, think I'm there. exactly. That's yeah. what I'm saying is it's like, I wonder what it would be like if I just let myself slip away into obscurity forever. Like, yeah. if I just let it be okay that I'll be forgotten and just slip away. And, yeah, like, I've... would be pissed. Well, no. <laughs> it, it, see, I don't... He'd, need, he'd come with... <laughs> I mean more, like, slipping away into that life. Yeah. Like, stop being the lead singer, dude. Like, stop being... It, lean into suburban life. Yeah, like, dude, just totally just lean into, into it. Like, uh, like, the dude from uh, Black Flag did. Like, uh, uh, what's his fucking name? Des Kadena oh. from Black Flag. He just, like... I think that's who it was. It was one of the guys from Black Flag, one of the original singers, just, like, his wife got Black pregnant. Pennywise. You know, it was it was no, it was one of the guys from Black Flag. It's in that documentary that the other F word documentary that the yeah, dude yeah. from Pennywise made. But he's like, he's like, my wife got pregnant, and we just decided to stop being punks, and we pulled out, and we became parents, and that's all we did. And like, I've thought about no, I, that, and I've been like, I mean, I've been it's like, definitely like, it's like what we were talking about. We we're like, man, this is like we're loving like getting good night's sleep and sleeping in the same place. It's kind of one of those things where you're like. Man, this is like what I was like. This is like what I didn't want to do. Like, I was is, afraid of it. You know, yeah, I'm like so nice. afraid of being forgotten and so afraid of being a failure. And like what this has kind of done is it's put me in front of the very real possibility of just aging out of this thing. And, you know, like, well, you I can think still I do aspects of it, you know, like it's you can still like, like, yeah, you won't be playing and you won't be touring or anything, but you could like become like just a play it at the same place every other Saturday night or something like do like the cup like kind of play music for the love of it well know? right and like, it's also it's also been like what I was telling Tony on the phone the other day is I, I'm like I'm like I am thinking of the long game you know I want to play music with you guys way into the future and if I need to let go of it for now so that we can still have a relationship and and keep doing it down the road, like, I'd much prefer that. Like, I'd much prefer yeah, the friendship. And it's less about, even if you don't quit, it makes it so you are less terrified at the prospect of failure, and you it, it takes you off the hedonic treadmill. You know what I, I mean? Also, I think about that a lot where it's like, if you play the long game, you know, it's like, it's kind of like running. Like, like you can, like I used to run every day as hard as I could, 
and like it was good and then it all of a sudden wasn't good because you're pushing yourself you're pushing yourself when you shouldn't be and it's so you got to take the rest days and you got to actually rest and recover and part of me has always thought like maybe this time it's like maybe it's not a time for our bands to like like maybe we just take this time to become the best version of ourselves we can as a band be all the way off and just like so when we come back we're fucking we take that recovery time and just come back super hard instead of like because if you if you're you know it's like if you're just trying to punch through a brick wall and you can't make it you're going to defeat yourself so that's the thing too is like there's no playbook any of us know like no one knows no one's like all right so i talked to this guy and he went through this before like no one knows what to do right now and so it's it's part of the fun and it's part of the challenge right yeah and on that that's actually a good place to call it uh we're at about two hours 15 minutes and uh i'm actually speaking of jamming i'm actually going to jam with my drummer ty right now we're going over to rocket space and we're just gonna we're just we're 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 not even having band practice just we're just uh, letting it go we're just gonna go hang out and jam you know the lead singer is going to pretend to play the guitar and he's going to play drums and that's it we're just going to go hang out and play music for the sole enjoyment of it and uh and dude i am a big fan of what you're saying of the 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 analogy of of recovery and you know i think i think it's going to i think we're going to see a lot of people emerge at a completely different logical level in terms of being a creator and being human beings and I've already seen a tremendous amount of uh, beneficial change for you, man. You look great. Um, you, you're bright-eyed, and you look—I mean, you look five years younger. You really do. And I, uh, I mean, cutting a foot of hair off was a big part of that. That'll do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that'll do it. But I mean, uh, dude, you look like—you look like uh, John Fogerty in his prime. <laughs> you <hear> that, mom. <laughs> uh, hey, real quick. I just want to thank our sponsors, Evergroove Studio, Rocket Space Rehearsal Studios, Burn TV Studios. Uh, let's see, who else? Flipside Music, uh, Matula Plumbing. Matula! Shit rolls downhill. Don't be at the bottom. Your number two is our number one priority. Your shit is our bread and butter. Angie's List Super Service Award winner and all the rest. You know the whole fucking bit. Matula Get your shits piped out. Uh, Mutiny Information Cafe. This is a mutiny transmission, of course. And last but most, I want to thank all of our patrons. Once again, all the people who back us via a small recurrent contribution at patreon.com slash mfruckus. I also want to thank my guest, Tyler Gwynn from 10th Mountain Division, for coming on and talking to me on the program. Dude, it's been really great catching up. It's been I know, really man, it's been great. I'd love to do this again soon. This is fun. I yeah. don't get a chance. Of, I don't get to get in front of a mic that often. So when I do, I'm like, <laughs> well, dude, when when we start doing episodes in person again, I would love to have you on the show, show you the studio and everything the way we used oh, to do. Hell it. yeah, man. Yeah, That'd I would love to have you back on. Yeah, I mean, dude, you're you're one of my you're one of my favorite dudes, and I and I say that in all sincerity. I really enjoyed working with you, and and I'm glad we've been able to. Um, you know, that was the one thing that we always connected on was it was like we were in these two different scenes, but we had these universal experiences just as dudes in bands. And uh, it's something that you and I connected on very early on. And I, I really appreciate 
uh, the relationship we built out of it. And I appreciate you coming on and talking with me, man. Well, thank you very much, Aaron. Thanks for always being someone I can look to as someone who's been through it before and can understand what I'm going through, man. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, man. Absolutely. The motherfucking podcast is recorded at the Nug Nation Studios in Denver, Colorado, and hosted by Aaron Howell, Tony Lee, Logan O'Connor, and occasionally even Ty Blosser of the international power rock combo, Motherfucking Ruckus. Our producer in the studio is Gordon Ledfoot. Our producers in Chicago are Gene Skibbins and Adam Zielinski. All music except homie shoutouts and featured artists is written and performed by MF Ruckus and comes from the album The Front Lines of Good Times Volume 1, coming this fall on Rodeo Star Records. Thanks for listening, guys. And remember, if you find this podcast valuable or entertaining and you wish to support MF Ruckus further, you can rate, review, share, subscribe, follow us on any of our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Spotify. If you really want to help us do what we do, you can go to patreon.com slash mfruckus and become a patron at any level. Our patrons get access to exclusive content, early releases, guest list spots, even VIP parties with beer and food, all in exchange for a small monthly contribution. It really does make a difference and allows us to do this podcast, make records, create videos, go on tour, fly Tony back and forth, and all the other stuff we love to do for you guys. Patreon.com slash MFRuckus. Check it out. Thanks again, guys. You're listening to a Mutiny Transmission. You can find more podcasts, videos, books, comics, and records online at MutinyInfoCafe.com. Or just stop in the store in Denver and have a coffee sometime. 